0: The official podcast of Grapple I'm better
1: I'm Joe And I'm JP
0: And it's a Thursday lads uh, We're a bit, are we late? Are we early? It's probably Friday by the time people are listening to this I And mean, then uh, maybe I'll title this as like the, the Spotlight Bank holiday special But to be fair it took us this long to uh, To get over Wrestlemania Get over our Wrestlemania live streams That people will have seen on the, the, the feed So yeah I think it's probably uh, taken this long Just for us to get the energy back To, uh, to talk about any wrestling after whatever we saw at the weekend
1: well i've rapidly lost the idea of what day it is <laughs> that's something that's started to go very quickly the time hasn't gone yet You're partner. own but no yeah yeah i'm just like you know the idea of what do we do this week compared to last week pretty mm. much exactly the same we break we all braved the supermarket at some point mm. all probably went for walks it was like yeah we're very much in groundhog day situations aren't we
0: yeah that's it like i kind of like took a long weekend to because i had like i said last weekend said on the streams i had it booked anyway for wrestlemania weekend and i was just like ah Mm. i'll keep the days off what else am i going to use them for this summer probably fuck all else so i've only been i was back in work two days and now i'm off again for another four days like there's only so i dusted off my xbox 360 so i've got gta 5 and fifa 18 because fifa 19 was 50 quid in the xbox store and i'm not paying 50 quid for for a year old game uh, but I've been kind of dusting them off, and that's been keeping me busy. But uh, that only goes so far as well. you played GTA V before? Uh, you know what? I've had it for a while on my PC, but my PC couldn't quite run it. So I only really played the first couple of missions and then kind of had to give up. And it's kind of been a mission of mine to do my PC up to get GTA V running. And in the end, I've just given up. and yeah, I'd had a 360 sitting in a dusty old box for about 10 years at this point went to Argos got me, wasn't really an essential item but I, I bought myself a, a an extra oh, a, a new battery for the for the controller. I was there it was an Argos in the Sainsbury's though. I was doing my weekly shop so I feel like it was a responsible visit. Uh, but yeah, I, I busted that out and went that route instead. And are you enjoying it? Ah, t- you know what I'm enjoying it so far, yeah. I'm not a gamer, you know, I I asked for some suggestions yeah. on Twitter for people to kind of suggest stuff like I haven't, I haven't been a gamer probably since the N64 PlayStation 1 days, so there's a huge gap there i used to post on like digitizer text and stuff when i was like 14 15 on, on channel 4 i was bang into it and then just all of a sudden i just didn't care anymore uh are you a gamer joe i can't imagine you being no, like... no no i was a, i
2: was kind of the same benno uh ps2 was the last time i would have played games yeah. uh and to be honest my range of game playing was i would say i liked simple games mm. uh games you didn't have to think too much so smackdown football manager where you know you had to do some serious thinking on that so i liked yeah smackdown uh fifa then pro evo mm. uh platform games i think mario 3 Good. is my favorite game ever uh and what else did i like fighting games i like that tekken street fighter i was a street big fan of great,
0: yeah.
2: i was yeah. i was pretty hot on tekken as well um and then a few years ago, would still occasionally play, like, FIFA when I lived in a shared house and stuff. But I only like playing games if I'm with other people. Like, I could never buy a console for myself and just sit and buy FIFA and just sit here playing it on my own. I, I don't know. Mm. It's just not, not something I'm interested in. And I, I never liked really expansive big games. I didn't have the patience for them. And you know what? I tried playing Resident Evil 2, and I was utter shit at it and got bored quickly. So I mm. thought, this ain't for me.
0: Yeah, I'm not, but like a, I'm not, I think I kind of do like the games where like like a GTA where there's like you can get yourself lost in a world. I did like, like GTA to be fair. I'll, I'll say the that. original, um, like Grand Theft
2: Auto three and like Vice yeah. City and stuff. I oh, liked. Okay. You weren't a fan yeah, of like the no, one and two on the PlayStation. But... I played them, but I was a bit young. Like I remember playing around my cousin's house, which I probably shouldn't have. Mm. I was a big fan of the um, GTA London film starring Bill yeah. or uh, Jack Branning from the Bill. Do you remember <laughs> that one?
0: Was there a film <laughs> version? I was. I thought you were going to say the game
2: oh no no no! they did like a film that was on the disc
0: Amazing. um off, and it's
2: you know it's like rockstar games mm, who then yeah. went on to um went into the film industry and did football factory so it was rockstar games first film they were like sort of doing a bit of a test with gt the gta london film on the uh on the game Amazing. just to see kind of how it went if anything um i'll find it on youtube and send to
0: you Oh, dude. send me a clip of this. Can you? I'm definitely going to use the uh, the original DCA theme for the episode theme now. This this is my excuse, and it's happening. Uh, it's one of the, <laughs> it's a bang of that. Should the, should, it's one of the greatest rap songs of all time. Uh, the DCA theme, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Were you at a one and two uh, JP or like Oh one no, one thing?
2: second. It's Grand Theft Auto 2, the movie.
0: Oh right, okay. Yeah, Do you want me to
1: think... send it over? Oh. Send it
0: over. I will. I will absolutely watch that. That sounds amazing.
1: No problem. I played all of the French. I mean, those early sort of GTA 1 and 2, the top-down ones. I mean, mm. it's a very different game, very different, entirely different world than it is now. Um, you, still get the played... you
0: still get the callbacks, which I like.
1: You do, you do still get the callbacks. I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's so big and there are things with it that are issues in terms of characterisation and stuff like that. And there's stuff about it that isn't great, but there's so much other stuff that's just like a genuine technical achievement, mm. and you feel like you are within an existing city, which is in and of itself is an incredible thing. So I prefer Red Dead Redemption to be honest with you. Mm. It's like GTA horsey, GTA
0: <laughs> GTA.
1: A few people have yeah. recommended that to me, though, and and that's kind of a, it's a bit more grown up, mm. and like it's I've really enjoyed playing that. So I finished that off and there's other games there, but yeah, there are some games that I kind of will play on the console because I'll play with, play with my kids, like stuff like Uncharted, um, and sort of games that aren't like, and they've played a bit of GTA as well, but even for them, they just kind of, I don't know, it's not really, it doesn't really do anything for them, but at the moment it's still Football Manager.
0: See, that's the thing, they've been born into a world where like the games are actually good. I think they weren't good. Yeah. Say, they were probably better in our day, but like we were born like well, well I was born into like the They're master different. system. Were you like Commodore sixty four Amiga type of uh like EJ3? Spectrum forty eight K. Oh with school. like the loading screen with the different color bars yeah. and stuff. Oh, and man, the dead
1: flesh rubber keys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, playing Football Director on that. That oh. was like great game. Couldn't even make substitutions on it. It was one of those types of games. Very very old and rudimentary. Playing stuff like Manic Miner. Off a cassette. Jet set willy. Um, Yeah, really like absolutely love that stuff.
0: I was I was um, I was a big Alex Kidd fan because my mum I asked for a Mega Drive for Christmas one year. My mum and dad got me a Master System, acting like it was the same thing. But it did have Alex Kidd built in, so that was pretty good. And I had the, got I got the I got Streets of Rage uh, two there and three, and I enjoyed them. At least there was that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's. I wish I had a kind of retro console to go to, but really, it's just like like I say, it's PS4 and it's my my laptop mm. and. At the at the minute between sort of it is work and it's football manager as well, where things have kind of he's got big over the last week, I would say.
0: Have you have you seen this about the? Uh, I linked you to it today. The oh fancy, the, yes, somebody started the fancy football league using Champ one One O Two. Like if that's not like our interest converging, JP.
1: I know. I'm very tempted to join in on that because I was getting really into that fantasy league as well. But yeah, I mean that version of Champ One. 0- just the idea of it running and that's gonna be fantasy league points. That's that sounds pretty awesome. So I can
0: brilliant.
1: easily get on board with it. I think Jim Joe could get on board with that. With what? Uh Champ Man O one O two, but people so basically they're having it run on Champ Man, but they're using the results for fantasy league points and stuff like that.
0: Is that, too, is that too much? Oh, right. That'll rabbit hole for you, Joe. Is that uh, yeah, too nerdy uh, no, I've no interest in that. <laughs> <maybe>. <laughs> we like to do it, JP. How's your, how's your football manager game going?
1: Uh, I've qualified them for the Champions League two years in a row. Oh, that's good. To the group stages. So, money wise, I've made them 25 million. Adam Ider on loan for his fourth year in a row. Um, just been playing. This was the group I got tonight in the Champions League. Qualified Are you fucking twice. Delia Smith or something?
2: <laughs> What do you mean? Like, oh, what for that, he's on loan from Norwich, right? Four seasons in a row, Yeah. and you've made that money. Yeah. What has gone wrong there that they keep loaning him out? That doesn't seem right.
1: I don't know. I joined well this time round. They've upped his contract, so I'm paying a lot more in his wages for it this time. It was worth it because I won the league by 25 points um, this year. Apps like I went unbeaten, 31 wins, five five draws, like ridiculous stuff. And then the Champions League groups. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, Steve Bruce is Norwich manager. He kept on having a go when I'd rest him. You said you'd say you'd play him. And I just want to go, yeah, fuck off, Steve. Go off and write a book, mate. Um, <laughs> and and like and this and then I got a Champions League group. So I've just at the before recording this, I've played five of the group games. It was Bayern, Real, Juventus, and Shamrock Rovers. Jesus. Drew with, right, lost 6-0 away at Real, who've got Mo Salah. It was like, oh, okay, not doing, I, I thought, all right, I'm going to get a kicking off someone in this. I lost, I uh, sorry, then I drew with them nil nil at home. And then wow. lost 1-0 away at Bayern, 2-0 at home, and then lost 2-0 away wow. at Juventus, and got Juventus at home last game.
2: Where did you finish in the Champions League group the season before?
1: Oh, bottom. I had one ah. draw, Eintracht Frankfurt. But ah. at the minute, I've made them 25 million through all these Champions League group stages. The most I've paid for a player, half a million. <laughs> that a hell of a challenge. That do.
2: Champions League group stage that you've got drawn in, though, yeah. that doesn't sound like a group that would ever be drawn. Because you think well, about that's the, what I thought. the way it's seeded. Like, how on earth did those three teams end up in the same group as one another?
1: Trust me, I questioned it at the same time. I was like, I, I don't like this. Um, I didn't look into it enough to see what happened to the coefficients because, as you guys have intimated, football manager, if you want to go deep on it, you can go fucking deep. If if,
0: if you make it to a cup final, JP, are you going to wear like a shirt and tie and a little suit uh, to it proper? I wouldn't
1: be doing that at the best of times. I'll (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I haven't worn a pair of jeans since this whole lockdown has started. (laughs) Really? It's been been shorts and it's been tracksuit bottoms. That's been it i find that like if i spend the day in
2: the house right say when i was working at home like wearing like shorts or whatever or pajama bottoms or joggers cool but then if i go out for my daily walk i want to like i want to be a difference and i feel like psychologically Mm. i feel a little bit more separate If I take off the clothes that I would wear around the house and don't wear them out. So yesterday I actually went out and the shorts that I was wearing around the house and was like, no, I'm going back in. I'm putting some some (laughs) better shorts on because I just feel like a bit of a tramp walking Mm. around in these out here. And I find that psychologically it's it's broken things up quite nicely. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm more complex than you, JP. <laughs>
0: no, I've done that. I've, like, in the house, like, when one of the days where I was off, Like I got up and I was just feeling like she have to stay up for WrestleMania until, like, four in the morning. And I wanted to feel a bit normal. And I did that, got a shower, had the shave for the first time in about five days. Uh, which which isn't much by me to be fair even at that point i still can't grow much of a beard it just gets wispy i have like weird hairs growing off the side of my face so i never actually get a real beard but i decided to clean up and put some jeans on and to be honest like an hour later i ended up just changing back into shorts because why would i wear jeans in my own house
2: oh yeah as soon as i get back in i'm back in like the house clothes Mm -hmm. uh i don't know just as a sort of A break from the uh, house clothes that I feel are getting a lot of wear recently. Mm.
1: There's going to be a lot of this stuff kind of happening, isn't it, in terms of like little psychological things that we all do in order to kind of like get through this, isn't it? And that's going to be one of the things to do.
0: Oh, definitely. When my when the delivery man like I ordered the pizza last week, like on the weekend when we were doing the podcast and I went, when the delivery guy turned up, I made sure I got, you know got changed. Wanted to look nice for my delivery driver. I didn't want him to see me <laughs> as a dishevelled shell of myself with my like my hairs like. 10 times longer than it ever would be. Like, that's a problem. There's no barbers open. I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I'm going to have to order some, like, a clippers or something. I imagine it might I'm be the same, same Joe, yeah, because your hair gets quite... A... Your hair's a bit like mine, isn't it? It gets a bit weird. Mate, I've looks I've like got a hedge on top of
2: my head or something. <laughs> Seriously.
0: What are you going to do? Are you just going to, like, go through with it? Like, I'm thinking... Part of me is thinking if I get through this awkward stage, I might be able to start, like... Slicking it back or something, or it might it might get more oh, yeah. it might get more manageable again if you like get if you know what I mean. Bateman or something. I might have to go <laughs> for that look, like the like the CM Punk slick back look. Uh, I think I'm just gonna have to shave it at some point. Are you, are you feeling that yet, Joe? Um, well, I, I think that
2: me shaving my hair or getting my girlfriend to do it is a massive risk. Mm. Um, I do have a shaver and I've thought about it, and I might look like a neo nazi for a bit if I do go down that. <laughs> See, that's route. my problem too. But a mate of mine shaved his own head. And the picture of him—he looks fucking awful. And it put like I saw him and was like, no, that's enough to put me off even considering it. So oh. I think I'm going to see it out and see it through, and we'll see we'll see what it gets like. I've had I've let it grow for. Car there was a point when I moved to Oxford, but I was too scared to get a haircut because uh, I wouldn't be able to get my usual hairdresser in Southampton doing it. So I think I went from September to May without a haircut. Until I finally gave in because it was getting too unmanageable. So I've gone eight months before. Oh, wow. Uh, it's been two months so far. But, yeah, it's getting pretty annoying. I'm not going to lie.
0: I've done that once. Like I've, I've done the shaving your head thing and I regret it. Like, I remember using, like, I used some shitty razor. It was like a Sunday night. And I was going into work like the next, it was a job I think I'd started like a week earlier and I was just feeling scruffy and for whatever reason I decided I'd have a go at doing it myself. And I did such a bad job of it that I literally went into work the next, day. because the problem was I was working in like Warrington somewhere, so I didn't even have time to go to the barbers on the Monday morning. So I had to go into work with my hair looking a right state and I just pretended I'd been to a party at the weekend and my mates had drunkenly shaved my head. Like that was my that was my cover story. Like that made it seem any better. That was my dumb cover story. And then I went straight to a barber's on the way home and got it sorted out. But fuck me, that was an embarrassing day. Oh, uh, you
2: can see my old passport photo. Oh, I was sixteen in the photo, and I had my head shaved. I look like Wayne Rooney. Like I look, I look like Wayne Rooney when he was sixteen. Like I look, you know when he scored that goal against uh, Arsenal. Like. That would be the closest oh, comparison. Yeah, that's what I look like. Fucking awful. Oh, send and me that, the picture. I'll
0: put it in the episode images next to me with my nah, you, zero. you're
2: good. You're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, you can you could probably find it. Uh, it is around places. I know that. Because oh, okay. uh, I used to get loads of abuse about it. So we used to try and steal my passport to take photos of it all the time. <laughs>
1: I'll it's check always those photos group. of you that pop up everywhere, isn't it? Oh,
2: me.
0: Yeah. Are they? Are you two together?
1: Oh
2: yeah. Oh right. Yeah. Those well, ones well,
0: are you and your baggy jorts turned up last week, John
2: oh yeah oh, those shorts look fucking awful don't they <laughs> jesus christ yeah
0: remember when they were cool me neither uh,
2: but i did nah, it too i was the same for a period
0: i cut off a pair of jeans mate i made my own so i can't tell no i think i've done the same mate there you go. here
1: in your land, talk about shaving your eyes i i did it for a little while For a yeah, but you look quite good with a shaved head mm, I, I can see that i can, I can get away, got away with it. The first time I did it was before I went travelling around Central America mm. for the obvious reason of it's going to be fucking oh, off.
0: So, I thought you wanted I, to look dangerous like to protect yourself, like you wanted to fit no, in, in the barriers. No.
1: That's an entirely po- <laughs> oh, entire podcast, stories about all of that.
0: Oh, tell uh, us, I JP, we've got time. We're only going to talk about WrestleMania. I'll,
1: I'll save that magic for another time. Um, <laughs> lots of adventures, put it that way. Um, and, yeah, there was... Um, yeah, I'd shave my head for that. So, even though I've, I've not got any clippers, I'm not averse to doing it. But the last time I would have had my hair kind of even reasonably long probably was a pair of curtains sometime in the sort of early 90s around sort of peak Britpop
0: time. Oh, like the middle part? Because I did that. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I had the middle yeah. part at one point. It was, ho- it was, it was yeah, like, perfectly well, middle well, as, as happy well.
1: Month, going between Jungle and Happy
0: Mondays. <laughs> 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 I used to spend a lot of time on mine, JP, brush my hair back and then part it perfectly down the middle. It looked yes. like it, I, I, it. Basically, I'd get called a fanny head in school. I don't know how that looks like a fanny, but apparently it did. That's,
1: that's pretty brutal, that, <laughs> it? So it was just sort of of its time. Christ above. Oh, JP, kids can be cruel.
2: If I remember rightly, haven't you got a shaved head in that picture of you and Nakamura together? Do I? I'm sure your head was shaved around that period, wasn't it?
1: Uh, possibly, yeah. Or was, to go was back it just
2: short?
1: Um, it might have just been short. I, I might have still been shaving my head at that point.
2: Right.
0: I don't think so I've ever seen this think... picture.
1: Uh, well, I'll, I'll find it for you. It oh. was like my pin. Like, I reckon you look kind of hard with a shaved head. I'm not, as you well
2: know. No, I know you're not, but yes. I wouldn't mess with you if, with a shaved <laughs> head. <laughs> with that accent
1: as well. Like, <laughs> fucking
0: yeah. Hell, fucking hell, East yeah, thing comes out. Yeah, proper geezer. Yeah
1: like London Rampage
0: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, oh in other news Boris isn't dead so you know that's a thing Um, yeah (laughs) still in in hospital but out of intensive care is that not right Uh, I don't believe that's the case did you clap for him at 8 o'clock
1: no (laughs) did anyone I didn't hear anything
0: we made gary to put in our group chat before i was setting up for this so i couldn't really engage but he said something about apparently in his street somebody had played uh you'll never walk alone loudly at eight o'clock on the dot uh, i don't know <laughs> if that's that's in support or in rebellion towards boris i'd imagine it was more in rebellion
1: uh, I, I was gonna say i suspect that sounds more like rebellion <laughs> given the part of the world where it's happening yeah uh, are we gonna wish him well, well probably not are we uh- <laughs> I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm hoping he's learned an incredible, valuable lesson about public services. Decent the, the, NHS, the NHS, isn't it, JP? Public thing. services. It is decent, isn't it? And it's funny how everyone loves a bit of socialism at this point in time, don't they?
0: That's <laughs> also, that
1: gets the big problem. Market, not much fucking use, really, is it?
2: It's also really funny, and I'm going to say I could like twat it, but fuck it. Uh, a lot of this like NHS stuff, like, all right, doing a cracking job, no disputing that whatsoever, doing what they can. But how many people who are going on and clapping and putting signs in their window, how many of them voted, voted for the Tories for the mm. last three elections or four elections, let's say? Uh, hold on, 10, 50, uh, four. Yeah, there we go. 10, and how many of them played their part basically in giving a vote to the Tories, which led to more cuts and more austerity, which led the NHS to be in the state it's in right now. So I hope those people who are clapping are kind of regretting and reflected on the choices they've made and are considering them for the future and not seeing Boris Johnson as this great hero coming out of this, because I've got a horrible feeling. And I feel like I'm saying this too early, because I don't feel we're at the point where I can say this. But, you know, I don't, I don't aim to please people, do I? You know, I don't... <laughs> that's <laughs> not sort of like of... you
1: joe you're the king of the people pleases
2: oh yeah i just sort of hope that this isn't transformed into a moment of hero worship where he becomes ever more popular because he was the prime minister who beat the coronavirus virus during a time of crisis
0: oh, and Boris we actually at it from
2: the perspective that he was still shaking hands of people when he was meeting them like yeah, in early yeah. march and, and the response was late them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And he didn't close Parliament, and they were still all set together close in Parliament, even after Nadine Dorries had contracted it and all the rest of it. I just hope there's actually some forensic analysis of this that breaks through, rather than people seeing this like great hero Boris Johnson as eulogised for how he dealt with the coronavirus, which is what I fear is going to turn into. And I've seen a lot of stuff recently about how populism is just going to end at this point because of the coronavirus. And mm. I hope it does... But I'm not confident that that is going to be the case. I think that coronavirus can be, and Boris Johnson contracting it, could possibly be used to the advantage of his party going forward. And I kind of fear that, if I'm honest with you. But, hey, have I said this too early? I don't know, probably. Mm, I wouldn't say so. I've not seen a lot of criticism out there at the moment, though. I've seen a lot of, this is above politics. And I'm kind of like, all right, but... Isn't the whole thing kind of political in Mm. a way based on responses, where we are, how we are right now and how everything is
1: political. Yeah, Yeah. everything is political in in every different ways. When you see a when you see a light on your street and when you see a pavement, (laughs) all of that stuff comes down to who put it there. And what did they use in order to do that? Yeah, not and how be, did they get that money?
0: Not being political is political. You know, there's no way. Exactly. Out of it. I mean, if Boris pops his slogs overnight, Joe, I'll edit this bit out. But other than that, I think we're pretty safe. Um, although, so. Oh, it's us- not
2: that I fear. I just fear that. And I don't, you know, I don't fear it really. But. You're not wishing death upon him, but no, you're worried about on. how this is going to
1: get used. I'm worried about the rise of fascism after <laughs> this, to be frankly
0: with, frank with you. Oh, I, wish-
2: I watched Children and Men the other night.
0: Oh, oh, my God. God. Oh, mate. Honestly. <laughs> <Yes>. Amazing film.
2: <laughs> Even more relevant now than yeah. it was in 2006 when it was released. I reckon it's been 10 years since I've seen it. One of my favourite films. It is... I think it's a masterpiece. It is incredible. But from a thematic point of view, I honestly encourage people to go watch it during this because you... It. Yeah, it's kind is of Alfonso metaphorical. Sorry, say it again.
1: Is it Alfonso Cuaron?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I think superb director choir on oh, i mate. think this and uh, the um children of men and gravity for me are two absolute masterpieces and i think j- i pref- just prefer children of men because of the sort of allegorical element of it and watching it now some of the metaphors that existed there mm-hmm. and how you can base them on the current situation that we're in but also the rise of the right and russia's role in that it's quite amazing just what uh children men represent so you've got this like fascist hard right um, and then you've got these like this militant left wing who are basically like fighting this fight as like these guerrillas almost and it's like this is an exaggeration of kind of what politics became around the world over the last like what five six years or so it's it just it's so odd watching it through modern eyes because last time i saw it I uh, would probably have been when we saw a Labour government and everyone was just kind of boring, <laughs> if anything.
1: Yeah. I'll take it. a bit of normalcy. Say it again. I'll take a bit of normalcy at this point. Watch Children Men, JP. Mm. Oh yeah, I used to use it as a tea uh, for teaching. It I was did, yeah. one of the films that would always get the best reaction. Mm. When I would show it in terms of when i teaching media, it was always like a great film to kind of sit there and talk about and dissect. And it would always get a great reaction from students. So it always became like a constant thing of of using it. So I've kind of got a real, like, kind of deep love of that film as well. But, um, could see a bit of you in the Contagion, Michael Caine character as well. <laughs> I like the way he, he, I won't, I won't give out any spoilers, but, um, he, he <laughs> takes everything in his
0: stride, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a good lad. He is. <laughs> Yeah, like you're gonna say there, JP. Between that, like that, like I watched, like I said a couple of weeks ago, I watched, I watched Contagion as well. This is the time to watch your kind of, you know, dystopian, end of the worldy kind of show, kind of movies. Uh, I don't know. It, it, maybe it makes you more depressed, but if anything, I think it, it just fits the other time we're living in. It is, isn't it?
1: I mean, it's like um, I wouldn't recommend watching The Road. That's a bit bleak, even for now. Mm-hmm. That's like proper bleak. We haven't resorted to cannibalism quite yet, but it's always just been a, like a, a lot of the, the kind of like that kind of end time stuff has, has always been popular and around sort of popular culture. So it, it doesn't surprise me. I think like on, on Netflix, if I go on to it, I think contagion is like the fifth most watched thing on there, which I, I didn't see Soderbergh, you know, fair play, to, fair play to him for being so prescient by the sounds of it. Cause I haven't seen, I know Joe, you talked about it last week, mm-hmm. um, It should be something I'll get round to. Instead, if I've been watching anything on Netflix, it's been a. It's been a. I'm up to episode four with my boys of watching Tiger King.
0: (laughs) What are you making of that?
1: It fits the Netflix pattern of this can't be real life, can it? Um, And true life being crazier than fiction, with all manner of wacky characters, all manner of kind of stuff going on. And filmed in a way that's very easy visually to kind of sort of get drawn into. I, I don't find myself, I find myself chuckling to it. It is quite funny. Oh, and it's it very is pro quite wrestling. Compelling. It is. It's incredibly pro wrestling. And he is. And I can see why Tim Storm would want to do business with <laughs> oh, Joe oh, yeah, Exotic as, he as he well. He ran his
0: own company, didn't he, at one point? Like, he, I'm which, surprised which he never turned yet. up in
1: TNA. A. <laughs> TNA under Jarrett. That seems perfect when they're in Nashville doing those weekly pay per views. Joe Exotic instead of Johnny Knoxville. <laughs> that
0: different world. Sliding doors effect. There isn't it? Oh yeah, like, it's one of them. Like I saw the Louis Theroux version of it like not that long ago. Actually, when, mm. when I actually went when and rewatched it after watching the Netflix thing. Like for me, it's like I think I think I said this on our live stream. Like the 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 subject matters more interesting than the documentary for me. I don't think they make the most of like the of dragging it out episode by episode. But like, like you could say, like he, he's nuts. Carol Baskin definitely made the husband and fed, fed into tigers. I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> his TV show looks fucking nuts. His country albums, like everything about it's hilarious. But yeah, I'm not well, sure the other right bloke it who runs
1: like a weird cultish harem where he traps women in.
0: Oh god, you yeah. get Man, it, what yeah. the fuck is that about? Gets them to play with tigers in his Las Vegas uh, hotel room and bringing them back. That's very wrestling as well. Very trapped in there. You you, have you seen it yet? Joe? Uh,
2: I watched an episode because I felt like I had to because everyone was talking yeah. about it. I was like, all right. And I was skeptical before because I I just thought and it kind of summed up what I thought it was going to be. I find there's just this like Netflix churn, and Netflix found this formula with uh, making a murderer of making these documentaries about uh, quite interesting, often quite sort of esoteric subjects um, that maybe don't have a lot of mainstream attention outside of their sort of local area, but have an appeal. And I sort of get that that works, but I'm kind of fed up of it. And I just find that the way that Netflix is geared, I think a lot of us go to now, when watching something or looking for someone to watch, I'll just go to Netflix and see what's on there. And I don't know, I've always been quite independent about sort of like searching stuff out, you know, like film and TV is one of my sort of main hobbies, main interests. So I've always got like, you know, wild lists of stuff that I want to watch. And I don't love the sort of algorithmic sort of way of watching television. And I find that Netflix is too geared around sort of algorithms and what works for an audience. How many viewers does this get? Let's churn another one of these out. Let's on another subject. And with Tiger King, I watched the first episode and it was exactly what I expected. It was weird, it was wacky, it was over the top, it was intriguing i get why it works i get why people are enjoying it but when i watched it i was thinking all right what am i meant to feel about this because i'm kind of over the weirdness i'm kind of over the wackiness um i see it there i can see that they're painting a story between the tiger king and this carol baskin but i think the tiger king guy seems a bit of a dick and she seems pretty unlikable um, I'm not that intrigued by either of them. I don't like anyone in the Sopranos, but I can relate to a lot of the characters in the Sopranos and I can sort of empathize of them. Um I just sort of was thinking, what is the through line here? Like, what am I meant to feel for these characters? Whereas, say, with let's go back to making a murderer, I'm the first episode thinking, right, this guy's got sort of genuine empathy from me. His family have had genuine empathy from me. They're weird, obviously. Uh, but there's a problem here with the American justice system and with the kind of Wisconsin, well, Wisconsin state, uh, that I was intrigued by. And it felt like you had good guy, bad, uh, good guy in Stephen Avery in the Avery family, bad guy in, uh, the Wisconsin police in Wisconsin as a state in the American legal system. And I was fascinated. Whereas this, I was like, have I, have I like, what like, what else am I going to get out of this? Like, do I, I don't really care. So I'm, um, Unlikely to go and watch any more of it. Although I've been told by mates of mine who I've stated that opinion to, and they've been kind of shocked uh, that I must stick with it and it gets better. So there are some good unsure. episodes.
0: There are some good episodes. I think I think you'll you'll finish it and kind of have that same opinion that yeah, this is very Netflix because that was my takeaway that like yeah, I don't really like the the their the documentary formula. I, I just don't think worked for for this series as well as it could have been. But there's enough funny and kind of i suppose shocking turns in it that it is still probably worth finishing off um i'm making a murder did i ever tell you that i was in wisconsin at the time that was all going on <laughs> and I, no i had absolutely no idea oh boy like, i was there literally while it was the, the the time scale of like the entire story i visited like three different times and like when the murders happened i was there and i literally don't remember it being a news story whatsoever it was kind of cool like, to go back and watch it and like see like very familiar parts of uh, that part of the world. Fuck knows why I went there so many times. It was kind of a good stop off on the way to like Chicago rig of honor shows and to visit my good mates uh, Justin and care, But other than that, yeah. It was, it was, unfortunately, I didn't get like a, a, making, a, a making a murderer tale to, uh, to come out of it. I just happened to be there at the same time.
1: In a similar way, I was passing through Putney on a train when Jill Dando was shot. <laughs> <laughs> By the and surf. even for a little while, I even thought maybe I did it. Oh. And I just
0: blanked this out. J um, P. <laughs> mi- we'll never know. Yeah, did number, you? Really. Have you ever been on the Clippers at that point, J P. Do you have your number zero? I did, so I
1: would have looked like what? Yeah, it was all it was all a big ruse, <laughs> and I came up with uh, uh, what was it? Serbian paramilitaries that apparently had murdered her for reasons. Perhaps someone due to Crime Watch. You never know. Could have been a response to that. Sorry, i have gone well off here <laughs> making all manner of probably libelous claims about who killed Jill Dando. Suffice say it, it wasn't me, but I was passing through, rather like you. are
0: uh, oh, the Jill Dando conspiracy theorists out there? Like like the five G conspiracy theorists? Does that exist? Is that a thing? Probably. Oh
2: well the guy who got arrested for it, um Ah, oh, what was his name? I can't think of his name. Uh he was proved innocent in the end, wasn't it? Was wasn't he? he?
0: Oh, I don't remember. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah. He went I think he did time for it. And he was proved innocent. Um, oh. and, yeah, there, were, there was this weird conspiracy theory around the Serbs killing her or something. Barry George. That was a Barry George. Yeah, yeah. The Serbian conspiracy theory, I find mad. I mean, wasn't there, like, taped footage of them claiming to do it or something?
0: Oh, wow. See, I, I fell off line and sinker for the for the, 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 uh, the false flag. I, I genuinely just would have said... If someone said to me, who killed gen- Dan though, that's what I would have said, Barry George. But, yeah
2: but there's a netflix series there isn't there there
0: you go yeah there that's is. the next one isn't it drag that out to two seasons worth of uh hour-long episodes go ahead lads that's your next money maker
2: honestly the one if i was to recommend a documentary about sort of a lot of them sort of seem to be based around some sort some former murder or something you know, wild i'd recommend the jinx which hbo did which i think oh, started this whole craze that's brilliant I, I think The Jinx is one of the, the absolute best documentaries ever made. Uh, the way it changes form throughout as well is quite spectacular. Um, but another one I'd recommend is <clears throat> you can't find it anywhere because I wanted to show it to students. About two years ago, there was a BBC documentary on the Stephen Lawrence murder that was like three parts long and i don't think enough people watched it and in terms of like a look at like the british justice system the, and policing in the 90s it's fucking amazing like it's really really good and hasn't got the sort of universal praise that i think it deserves and it's i find the netflix series as well uh, like american wackiness whereas this is much closer to home and feels much more real and you can sort of empathize with people who are involved in it a lot more as well and you've also got the clear bad guy and the five john terry's that are, uh, in the gang that were responsible for the murder
0: yeah that sums them up damn fucking hell they definitely thought they were. they they seem like with your skinner jp the type of lads you might hang around with oh <laughs> No, holy mason. No, Of <laughs>
1: um, the similarity of they're from London, that, <laughs> that would be where it would end. You can see Gronk hanging
2: around with them.
0: Uh, sadly, yes. Yeah, like because a strip club of... or something.
2: Or Yates's, as Andy Ogden said the other day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wasn't like wasn't Joey Barton's like stepbrother or something involved in all that? I'm sure he was, or cousin. Was he? Sure. Like maybe I'm getting too news he, though I...
2: I think he murdered someone, didn't he? With an literally... axe.
0: And that, well, oh, I'm sure he's, he had some relation did. to
2: not Lawrence yeah. or maybe mixed up. I don't think it was Stephen Lawrence I'm <laughs> sure it was Let me look him up I'll get my
0: scum- scummy murderers mixed up um... It's it's easy to do mate There's so many <laughs> of them
1: around the place
0: You know a Joey, Joey Barton fan JP?
1: Not really He was filth back in the day <laughs> I don't know if he, he was doing a good job at Fleetwood But then we're we're waiting to see whether or not All leagues are going to be cancelled no,
2: it was Joey Barton's um, Joey Barton's cousin, Paul Taylor, uh, killed a bl- black British student of Jamaican descent. Oh,
0: uh, it was a different case. Anthony, Anthony Walker. Walker. Yeah, yeah, I just found that there, yeah. Oh, there you go. Oh, that's it, yeah. Bloody hell. Scumbag. Yeah. Anyway...
2: <laughs> Time that Joey Barton stubbed his fag out in one of the, I can't remember what Man City player it was, but their Christmas party, he stubbed his fag out his eye or something, did he?
0: Wasn't that um? Oh, what's his name? The left back. Oh, it was actually,
1: Cole. No. Did he shoot someone with a with a with a, um a um?
0: Oh, oh that, was, that was actually uh,
2: Cole on it with the um, air rifle or something. The air rifle. That's what Yeah, I
0: was think there.
2: that was actually Cole. That's a good.
0: one. That. Yeah. That's always a good. Not way. really
1: surprising.
0: I'm sure was that the cigarette one. Well, not that um oh. What's it called? I can't remember his name. Jamie something, wasn't it? Jamie Tandy, was
2: it? I don't know.
0: Uh, it, was, it was like some, some bit part player. Uh, but yeah, jo- Joey Barton's one who just, yeah, he's never good. He does, similar to Wayne Rooney, he puts his like, his nice polo top on, writes stuff for like, in- intelligent papers, and tries to come across <laughs> as this intelligent man. Goes on know, question time. Goes on question time. <laughs> fucking hell, remember yeah. that. Jesus.
2: Yeah, Jamie Tandy, Benno.
0: Yeah, fucking hell. What a scumbag. Uh, Speaking of scumbags, though, we should probably get a relatively on topic. It's kind of on topic, not really, though. What, you make a Dana White fucking creating oh. a, a fucking oh. fighter island and recreating, like, Bloodsport or, like, the fucking Quest or, like, starting his own... like He's basically an evil supervillain at this point. Like, starting his own fighter island, not telling anybody where he's taking them to, making them fly out and risk coronavirus infection and... Have to go through the the whole process of weight cutting and literally fighting with another man in a cage. Uh, definitely no risks involved there. Fuck me! What a what a fucking psychopath, JV. Oh, absolute fucking prick.
1: He's gone all the way. He's decided after years of the US UFC having a fight for legitimacy, mm. fight for the right to get into New York, all the various sort of Las Vegas athletic commissions there to get from to actually turn sort of MMA into a proper sport. He's decided to turn it all back to UFC 1, mm. hasn't he? And decided to go completely back to the, like, effectively complete bullshit uh, around it as well. Who's going to weigh them? Are you going to have medical staff on hand for this, really? When their, they're, you know, when their services could obviously be much, much greater and much more important need. Completely irrelevant. No reason to ha- happen. He's turned proper Vince McMahon. Oh, at this totally. point but even vince has been wise enough i you say that in inverted commas to kind of keep pretty dumb about this whereas in this case you've got um uh dana white just be- being a complete arsehole yeah and i can't think of why people are wanting to pay for this as a, well
0: i just i can't I, I, I mean it's one of them people are desperate for like sports to watch and Things to follow right now, and that's kind of where ah. you know they're the hoping the WrestleMania will do better numbers than maybe it mm. might have done. But because of that, because people are kind of locked in. But like, do people want UFC UFC fights that badly? Do people not yeah. like see through this like pure money grab and be damned like the health and safety of the world and like his own fighters? Uh, it's just. It's one of them, and it's like, at least with wrestling, like, it, it gets it gets swept under the rug, and people it doesn't really get talked about in mainstream press anyway. So Vince mm. McMahon's going to get away with what Vince McMahon does as long as he doesn't, like, stick his head out too far. Whereas Dana White's just out there in the media, just outright saying, yep, we're going to find a way to have fights. Yep, we're going to have fights. Yeah, everyone else are cowards. He's just fucked in the head. It's just unbelievable. Iman Trump, for me, Mate. that I've
2: seen in this... Are the two people that come out or two public figures that come out of this worse than anyone? Like, some of the stuff Dana's coming out with as well, though, mm. you read it and you're like, is this real? Is he mm. actually saying that? Like, I've found UFC really hard to watch the last few years. Uh I think partly what's since Bisping retired, because I loved Bisping. But a lot of the John Jones stuff left a really bad taste in my mouth. And then he was at it again last week he, uh, getting arrested with a gun in his car. bottle oh, yeah. Bottle of, bottle of some, some something I'd never heard of alcohol-wise. Uh, and was it he smoking weed at the same time? Yep. You're like, okay. And he got a $500 fine, some community service. It's like, I, I just can't. I find it really hard to watch now and I want to watch it at times. And Ferguson and Gaethje is a fight that I'd probably tune into um, if it was in any other situation. Like, I'm going to be curious. I'm going to have a look and maybe hopefully see some GIFs of what this looks like. But, like, even Joe Rogan's pulled out. And I think when you've got a big sort of hitter and someone who's so synonymous Mm -hmm. with these big UFC shows and big UFC fights like Rogan pulling out, kind of says something. And I've not heard Joe Rogan really openly ever criticise Data White. So I thought that was quite a move as well. Um, yeah, I just think what an absolute arsehole this bloke is. He's gone wild. You see the old thing about him in that stripper as well? No, what's that? What's this? Oh, have you not heard about it? Meltzer was talking about it the other day. So there was some injunction that was put in place in 2014 about a Vegas-based celebrity um, and something about a stripper or someone who's having the fair with. And I don't know all the details of my head, but some bloke went down for a year, but then tried to sue Dana White because he claimed that Dana White said if you go down for a year for trying to blackmail him, I'll pay you this amount of money when you come out of prison or something. And it the bloke who went down is the girlfriend of the stripper that Dana White was having an affair with. But to me he just sounds like he thinks he's Tony Soprano these yeah, days. He's proper like, dumb. he thinks he's like yeah. a proper gangster living in a little gangster's world. It's like he thinks a McGregor as like his uh I don't know, like um, who's the bloke who Meadow was going to marry? They got Ch- Jackie April. <laughs> Jack- who, uh, April Jr. That's who, Ma- that's that's who McGregor loved Jackie is. Jr. He loved them. Yeah, that's who McGregor he was a is. An idiot though, wasn't he? <laughs> he was. Yeah,
1: yeah. And Dana's the Tony to to McGregor. But, but they're in trouble. I mean, they are. They've got massive debts. Mm. This is the thing, isn't it? They they have real, like, kind of. And they're under a lot more restrictions than WWE or even like a Bellator, which obviously is owned completely outright by Viacom, they've got to obviously try and, um, like as an entity, they've borrowed incredibly heavy heavy for that buyout. So there's, an, there's a demand on them for content. But like you guys, this is going to be a general theme of the overall show. These shows don't need to exist. We yeah. have the biggest fucking back catalogue of fights and of wrestling that we ever could have imagined Mm. even at the start of the 2010s that we've got access to so the idea that we can't somehow are desperate for new content when a lot of the time what we never end up doing and this is a general conversation is kind of learning from history Mm. or going back and kind of like sort of like you would try and like we're going to end up doing where you'd be like i've always wanted to watch this film i've got no good reason not to watch it right now Mm. you know and you'll be able to get round to this type of stuff,
0: but Vince and Dana don't get that because they both live in bubbles, don't they? Yeah, Vince, Dana and Trump deserve each other. What a fucking yeah. threesome that is of good old Republican good buddies. Um, the- I, you mentioned Joe Rogan earlier, Joe. Like I, I thought he was the hero in the story, but I believe even he's going out to it to call these fights out. So, yeah. Uh, I suppose you, if you can rely on Joe oh. Rogan for anything, it is to maybe flip and flop sometimes. Uh, But yeah, those three. He is going out there, though. He is going, apparently. Yeah, after everything he said. Oh really?
2: I've not Uh, heard that.
0: Yeah, apparently Dana White announced that he was uh, part of the people coming. I don't know if it's a power play on Dana White's side. But yeah, but but yeah, Dana, Vince, and Trump deserve each other like that. I would have loved to have been like a fly on the wall or to listen into that call that they did last week where uh, where Trump had called. It was Vince, Dana, like the heads of like the NFL, the NBA. You know Vince was loving getting included with like all these legitimate sporting people. Um, as much as he's gone years trying to be entertainment. I suppose he's the chairman of the XFL as well, so maybe that's the uh, the other reason he was on the call. Uh, and poor Big Tone wasn't. Uh, you know he was fucking loving that. Uh, I'd love to have heard exactly what the content of that was. Because it sounds like the content was probably, yeah, go ahead lads, do what you want
2: it probably would have just been a load of empty platitudes and compliments to one another about things that just didn't mean anything and then they were probably talking about how you know they can basically rule the fucking world and do what they want to do while comparing the size of the steak they
0: were going to eat that night Mm. (laughs) yeah most likely (laughs) alpha males mate alpha males but yeah, on that point, we should probably get into like the main thing we were going to talk about today. We're going to talk a little bit about Secrets of the Ring later and catch up on that. But yeah, as I mentioned at the top of the show, we did do... Uh... Good
1: bastards in that. <laughs> I would say that.
0: Wrestling's best Enter- bastards yeah entertaining bastards <laughs> uh, the ones you want there could be a, a show on that JP oh, maybe we'll see yeah. uh, <laughs> but like yeah we, we'll talk about that in a bit but you know we although we did do the Mania live stream Saturday Sunday I don't expect any fucker to, to go back and listen to all what six and a half hours for of JP of content of us uh with oh. uh, with call-ins from uh from andy ogden matty edwards was on the line gareth was on the line we tried to get martin but uh, i think he was uh, he was otherwise engaged will had, had a few rums and he jumped on uh it was a crazy party i think sa- saturday was a lot more fun than sunday i think mainly because saturday mm. had the fun main events and the-, the novelty had well and truly wore off by that sunday and that that or an edge uh match kind of killed us all off and including Joe. I think you went to bed at that point after that match and we we tried to soldier on, but it was a fun experience uh, although, yeah, again, I, I can't imagine many people are, are getting through those two podcasts. Maybe listen to them to listen to, to Andy Ogden. He was great. You had to chat with him right before the show. In fact, JP, you rang him by mistake. That's how much you enjoyed it. I
1: did, and it's always lovely chatting to Andy. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, over the next few weeks, we'll get him on a few times. Mm. It'd, be, it'd be good to have him enjoyably. It, it, do you know what? For a show that if I was watching by myself, I would end up um, I would end up would have fallen asleep probably through the pre-show. Oh, because no way guy. I would have stayed stayed awake. Mm. So in some ways, doing that live recording somehow worked as a way of also keeping myself engaged with the show.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Same. Yeah, I think if we didn't do it, I would have only watched Undertaker AJ.
2: And probably Cena Wyatt. I just wouldn't have watched any of the other sh- any of the rest of the show if we didn't do it.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, Con- convincing someone to go back and watch that Orton-Ed match like once you know that it went like fucking 45 minutes, however long it went, with the melodramatic selling ah. and just the WCW backstage assault style match. Fuck me, it was that bad? That proper killed my buzz on Sunday. I, Saturday, I was kind of jolly drunk, having a few beers, as you can probably tell if people did make it to the end of the stream. Sunday, like I had the same amount of beers, but I just ah, uh, it proper. It was a real down at that moment when that match happened. Yeah, so bad. Same here. I was quite pleasantly pissed by the end mm. of
1: night one. Night two felt like geez, drowning our sorrows. <laughs> yeah, you you are really drowning your sorrows at that point, aren't you? Especially with Edge. Edge Autumn,
0: mm. which was Jesus, that was painful. It was. I wonder if Edge realizes how bad it is. Oh no, he doesn't. He did a tweet to that. Oh no, he was on. It was on Reddit. I think he'd done some. he done some podcast, and he said that although he's heard that there's some negative feedback out there and the grapple average is 1.97 for that match right now, everybody. Um, everyone he'd spoken to and everyone who'd been in touch had been <laughs> complimentary about the match. I was like, wow, is that cool living in a bubble bad. or is that living in a bubble? I mean, I kind of get it because I watched that Edge documentary and he, like even I, like I'm not a big Edge guy. I know you are, Joe, and obviously Matty was, as you guys talked about on the stream. But I was proper into that documentary. And it made me appreciate Edge maybe that little bit more. So, I can kind of get it, you know. He's made the big comeback, everyone's being nice to his face, but you know, behind his back, everyone's going, Fucking hell, that thing should have been edited down.
2: You should have listened to Melter and Alvarez on that one. Mm. I was, it was the most I've heard Melter shit on a match in a long time, yeah. but I watched that documentary as well, um and it just made it even sadder. Yeah, but Mm-mm. that was his comeback singles match, like that's what he came back for. And, yeah, I was disappointed, and I wish I went to bed before that match. Mm-hmm. Um, that documentary, I thought, was a very good documentary. Oh, it was. Did you cry? In terms in terms of, I cried twice. I'll admit that. I didn't cry. Um, I was all right. But in terms of, like, a personal journey, mm. I was kind of with him all the way. And him and Beth Phoenix come, oh. come, come off really well yeah, throughout yeah. the entire piece. Um, so a couple of the takeaways from that as well. Sorry to shift from WrestleMania. I'm sure we'll go back to it. Oh, but we'll on the subject sort of Edge. Two of the things that I really took away from it. Jeff Jarrett, number one, managed <laughs> to work himself in there a couple of times, didn't he? Oh,
0: yeah. I love that little dad banter where it's like, oh, have I met you before? Oh, sorry. What's your name? Even fooled Mark Henry with it. Brilliant. Uh, yeah. I was like, go on, Jeff. I reckon he
2: saw them cameras but I'm getting on that documentary. And he did it <laughs> yeah. again in Stanford. Like what a worker Jeff Jarrett is like mm. those that are getting them with the big boys. I was watching that thinking to myself, well, he didn't want to, he didn't have any time for us. Did he? When we got a picture with him, he was away as soon as possible. And I gave him the best compliment he's probably ever received and telling him he was the best NW NWA champion of all time. <laughs> and he still wasn't interested, but edge, he sees him in there. He's interested bastard. Um, <laughs> my other takeaway was did you notice riddle marking out for edge and gorilla yes
0: yeah that was i great. was
2: loving that see riddle was stood next to oh,
0: was, uh, no no i didn't spot shane <laughs> oh yes what they, a combo they went and for don't a biff you remember, outside. i was thinking
2: to myself n- new jp shane mcmahon not a bad replacement
1: <laughs> well he's had to go big and I admire what he's done there, going straight to Shane O'Mac. Is that, it's, that's a match I'd be intrigued in seeing, no? Oh,
2: absolutely! fucking lutely
0: Imagine Riddle,
2: if Riddle but- would give back to Shane after Shane potatoes him.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> you know Riddle would be a for it as well. Oh, I'd fucking love that.
2: I reckon um, Shane dreams of getting in there with Riddle. I really do. And I reckon they go for a cheeky one around the side of Titan Towers as well when they get the chance.
0: Oh, nailed on. <laughs> nailed on that happens, like... <laughs> You know, you know Shane's the good man. You know he's into he's into a good little biff to JP. I think you're there, and if he's not, I think he would be able to tell. He's got
1: some it. Russo leanings when it comes to his booking, but you know he's got a bit of an appreciation. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, I mean instead oh, of
1: Dana, it could have been a Shane McMahon run Pride.
0: Imagine Pride fighting. Different, different fucking time. Ta- he wanted to start NXT UK before it was even a thing. Remember when he was trying to set up like different WWEs around the world and Triple H nicked his idea and bastardized it. He's the real mm. genius in the family, as our she. Uh-huh. But I was going to say, like yeah. on the other documentary, like I was the same as you, Joe. Like I, th- I thought Beth Phoenix was so great as like a real person. Like Aaron Edge both came across as genuine people and like a, a nice couple, you know, with a real family life. And it wasn't, it wasn't sugar coated either. Like she was bluntly honest about the fact that she didn't want him to come back like and the fact Mm. that even I think he had like 10 doctors pass her and even then she was still like I still don't know how I feel about this and like she was just to the point where she was completely blunt about not feeling great about in, I suppose discomfort's probably the word. She was uncomfortable with him making his comeback, and even even when he does make his comeback and he comes in the rumble, and you know, that was great. Like the footage of her kind of crying backstage, aside from you know, the great backstage riddle uh, footage as well. Uh, you can kind of see it, like they don't shy away from the fact that she maybe doesn't agree with him coming back. Like that that I thought that was lovely on the one hand and it was a brilliant documentary and everyone should watch it, but there was definitely a pessimistic part of me that was kind of watching it. Go. You know when they mentioned that, you know, Edge got the bid from the other company, i.e. AEW, mm. and then he went to wins and then, you know, he got he came back and he got clear. There is a part of me thinking... Uh, Without AEW, do WWE actually clear him? You know, if there's no competition there, despite the fact he's had his private doctor say he can wrestle against, similar to Daniel Bryan, does the WWE doctor clear Edge? Are they taking, Are they willing to take a risk to stop Big Tone getting hold of Edge? I do wonder about like the the motivations there um, in letting him come back. I don't know if you guys have the same kind of takeaway. But, I thought, oh, sorry. Go on,
1: JP. I, I thought it was as honest as these as they're capable of being. That's in true. these documentaries There's always that element of scepticism to it Well apparently like the timeline
2: was the... completely off with that stuff
1: Yeah apparently... the, the idea of him doing the spear And it, no one knew about it And it was just what improvising the ring I was immediately going right I'm calling bullshit on that but I, feel I like why I don't... they would do that
0: I feel like him and Vince knew and no one else did I think I don't yeah, think he yeah. told his wife I don't think he told anyone else But, but, but Vince McMahon Green like that I'm sure right? and,
1: and actually it was quite refreshing to hear him say Yeah you know I was trying to think of ways That you know no one would know that this would happen and i i'd say the best some of the best bits of the documentary were the training with beth phoenix and in that ring and the idea of like because it felt so and and this is the, the beauty of them as people is that because they're so so open and honest they're incredibly engaging and they feel like real people you know and the way that they they act and behave there's a real genuine authenticity we're talking about documentaries where they're kind of they feel not sort of very inauthentic but you're sort of left quite cold ultimately
2: compared to that ruthless aggression shite and jbl and
1: bruce yeah. richard on there yeah yeah exactly there isn't any of that kind of bullshit so i found the stuff really fascinating with dash wilder coming to visit good to way- see him getting used mate yeah it what it was like you know that kind of stuff i, I found really fascinating and it was yeah, he was as as engaged as I have been by a WWE documentary in quite some time. Same.
0: And then he came back and he did that shit show with Orton. <laughs> I mean, Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just I, just I mean, on that m- match, cool. though, Like, it's such
2: a shame because if I was in, I'd have said, look, and surely he's got the power and some leeway with the contract he's on and his status because he's really one of the only guys they've got who's got anything sort of special about him and he feels like a star at this point. And... I just think to myself, Edge, comeback, singles match, that feud has been based around emotion and can Edge still go? Can he do it again? And you need a a crowd to play off of if you're doing that sort of match and if you're that sort of character. And I thought that was the match that missed a crowd, along with the ladder match, more than any other on that show and it's such a shame. And I just think, why not just use that little bit of power you might have at the moment and say, look, I don't want to do this in a gymnasium. I don't want to wreck my body on my comeback match where there's no crowd willing me on. And you think of other edge matches at Mania, and they've always been matches where the crowd have been involved in the match. You think of the Foley match, for example. Imagine that with no crowd. Like, it'd just be ridiculous. Mm. Like, you needed a crowd there for this comeback match and it's such a shame that they went ahead with the match to be honest because i think if they held it off for another for another occasion and you had a crowd there and edge could play off the crowd i think this would have been an all right match personally
1: i think i agree with you although i would say the lack of editing considering they had the opportunity to do that is completely unforgivable did you hear the process that, that that went through no what was
2: it so apparently um people wanted to edit it and it went right to the top and there was there was a decision made at the top not to trim it down
1: fucking idiot yeah fucking idiot yeah because it it shit the bed because it went on for so long like and it completely killed it and it was uh, and this is one of the things you kind of do from the big takeaway from the weekend is it was half a movie so there was you know the different edits and the different cuts. There was a there was still a kind of like, sort of movie style feel to it for how for how they wanted to present it. But at the same time, it needed to be short and sharp. And might like any ideas about Randy Orton being good should really have died a death that weekend, because this is how many Mania matches has he? How many shit Mania matches has he had? So like well, the Undertaker's streak, but just the shit streak, <laughs> isn't it? That's what it is.
2: Well, the Triple H one in two to WrestleMania twenty-five is the obvious one that stands out. Um, I, I, I can't remember other Randy Orton matches at WrestleMania off the top of my head. Like
1: that's the, one. Is that the best one he's had? Oh, twenty-one. That was yeah. good.
2: That, but that was like a raw Randy Orton on his way up. He had a good yeah. year at that point. Um,
1: oh, I, I, Rollins. Like, my mind's blank. In an opener.
2: That oh, the, the one where he did one. that. That was the, the one where Rollins ends with winning the belt, isn't it? Yeah. Where he does that match. Yeah. He does the curb stomp into the RKO. That was good. That was a good and, match. I'll give him that.
1: Yeah, there was that. But then, you know, how many kind of shit matches have we had in between with it? And this is another one to kind of add to that as well. I'm thinking of what Bray Wyatt, Triple A. Oh, Jesus! Seen a match.
2: No, nah, he never faced Cena no, at never Mania. He never faced Cena
1: at Mania. Who I else think they did
2: is- a triple threat into WrestleMania 24 with Triple H in as well, and it's just it's a match. Fuck's sake. I mean it was that's all it, right.
1: and it's you know it's still going to be the thing where he is presented as you know this this great work, and we don't know what it is we're talking about, and it's just like it's basically don't believe your lying eyes.
2: Do you know they have a problem? The other problem Edge is going to have, though, as well, I think. So, like, ugh, I didn't want to see him face Orton. Ugh, I sort of get why they do it. But to me, it sums up their thinking, which is, like, stuck in the past. And they just play off of old stuff constantly because there's no fresh, really good ideas of the main roster. But one of the things that I was thinking about as well is on the documentary, it looks like the talent that he has an affinity with is kind of the younger NXT talent or the guys who have had, like, indie runs who sort of really seem to look up to Edge. Oh, they're so guys sort of, he like,
0: done that, you know that interview I mentioned earlier on Reddit, like what was posted Reddit. He basically it was a who's who of NXT guys who he wants to work with as well. Exactly.
2: So, so I, I was thinking to myself on the Monday, sort of reflecting on the WrestleMania week. I was thinking like, who else is there on that main roster for him to work with? Who people would want to see him work with? Like, I don't want to see him work with Taker. I don't want to see him work with Goldberg. I don't see what with Braun Strowman, Roman Reigns, couldn't care. Rollins, uh, I don't like Seth Rollins. I guess it might be all right. Kevin Owens, I guess that could be all right. And you're left with Daniel Bryan and AJ. And I think mm. AJ's past is best. I think him and Brian would be superb. But it looked to me like the guys he liked and the guys he he was interested in were the NXT guys. And he's got no hope of being able to have, like, a well-built, well-hyped match with any of those guys. Because there's no way that Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa, Adam Cole, Riddle, there's no way any of these guys are coming onto that main roster and being made into stars at any point. So you just sort of think, like, what? is there next for edge and i was sort of thinking if he went to aw and i think edge and aw sounds like a weird fit when i when I think about it because with jericho there's been that constant reinvention i think edge was always just given stuff and he just made it work and he made a lot of shit work over the years but in aw something like an omega feud would have been quite interesting I think there's potential for him to do something with Jericho, John Moxley as well. And you start thinking of who he could have worked with there. And it just sounds a lot more appealing and a lot more intriguing, if anything. And there's no one apart from Daniel Bryan on that main roster that I'd be excited to see Edge work. So I just, I can't see this run being good.
0: No. And it's kind of like, I think for Edge, like watching that documentary, I think he was always going to go back to WWE. I think he's got that sense of look. Yeah. Call it misguided loyalty, but I think part of it as well, like Bryan it's, I think maybe he'd feel like if he went to an AEW, it wasn't like a legitimate comeback. Do you know what I mean? He was never cleared by WWE doctors, and there'd always mm. be that asterisk that he, you know, he went and worked at AEW, but it's a bit like Kurt Angle going to TNA. He went there because that's the only place he could work. And I think it felt like for him personally to have a proper comeback, it had to be WWE. And he got his big rumble moment, and he got his WrestleMania match that obviously ended up shit in the bed and could have been so, so different but you are right, though, after that, after that, that initial, okay, now I'm back, now I'm Edge, i in WWE again. Like, yeah, what is next? Like, I'd be excited for an AJ match, even if AJ is on the, uh, well on the downswing at this point. I think there's, so, there's, there's money in a Roman Reigns match, even if maybe I wouldn't be into it personally. Whether, spear whether, versus Spear. You know, yeah, it, it's an easy yeah. sell, isn't it? isn't it, really? But I like, yeah, did that like, little tease in the rumble um but yeah like i I suppose at least you know hopefully at some point he'll get his it's a bit like you know the cm punk thing we talked about that like the cm punk kind of killed any interest you said you had joe and i kind of had in and making this big making a big like splash now because he came out on a fucking talk show to his theme and it's like it's not really as as exce- it'll still be great if punk comes back but it's kind of killed it and i think that the first big arena edge match is going to be great and it's going to be cool to see and it's going to be a big moment for him. But, yeah, once you've broken that seal and you've done the, your empty arena backstage assault brawl, um then it is hard to kind of get back up to that point. But, I don't know, I mean, aside from that, I mean, like I said, we'll do, like, the big picture thoughts rather than maybe the match-by-match we did at the weekend. But I, I suppose the big talking points out of the weekend was, well, Taker AJ and Bray Wyatt Cena. Like, I think anyone who listens to us will know... Man and JP's thoughts on the on those two matches and the, I think generally that like for the group I don't know for you jokes I know you've only seen Wyatt Cena the last couple of days so I'm intrigued but I think generally the for me this it's just you know Taker AJ is a great example of how to do that campy you know maybe overproduced Jeremy Borash style broken universe style match and for me it really worked and Wyatt Cena was an example of that that just didn't land with me. Again, maybe it was the fact we'd sat through Orton Edge, maybe it was the fact I just wasn't in the, the mood for it, maybe I'd have enjoyed it more if I'd have watched it, you know, solo on my own. But to be <clears> honest, I'm not you so sure. Have. Yeah, I worry I wondered that. <laughs> I, I think yeah, I I laughed a little bit at the end like the NWO stuff, even though it didn't really make any sense. I laughed a bit at Cena and his uh, prototype shorts. But yeah, I, I've seen these, like, you know, Waiting, someone I hugely respect. Like, he's put, like, a think piece out on post about, you know, all the throwbacks of yeah. the segment and how much he loved it. I know Pollock liked it. Alvarez and, and uh, Meltzer hated it, but, you know, there's other, you know, high profile journalists who did really like it. Uh, my question was going to be, where'd you fall on it, Joe? But I'm guessing, yeah, it was, you're the same as us. Love Taker AJ, so, you Cena. Is that is that fair enough to uh, a way well, to put it?
2: T- taker AJ. <clears throat> had like self-awareness mm. and it felt like AJ and Gallows and Anderson were kind of in on this big joke and they knew what it was. So they were sort of like hamming it up a bit. And I found that that made it kind of more enjoyable as a result of it. Cause they were sort of in on the kind of like, cheesy factor like oh, i can't wait to hear luke gallows and carl anderson one day when they're outside of wwe doing a great podcast on this match and the day of filming it because yeah. you know it's going to be a laugh and you know they're going to make it funny and they're going to have loads of material on this right yeah and luke gallows is going to talk about how he main evented wrestlemania or the rest of it which you know which is absurd
0: but great <laughs> yeah
2: and luke gallows is far more entertaining on podcasts and he's ever been in the ring
0: oh mate, yeah. uh- <laughs> he's, he's never he, yeah. podcasts documentaries remember the, the colt cabana um road yeah. diaries stuff like comes across as the most entertaining endearing man in the world you put him in a wrestler ring and he's just a wrestler in boots and trunks, and he, he's just yeah he couldn't yeah be it's bizarre he's got Weird. a cracking
2: sense of humor yeah. but there's an awareness of what that was and like some of undertaker's shit talk was genuinely funny oh it was so and- good
0: I went back and watched it again because when we watched it live, I couldn't hear it because of the technicalities again. The stream running. I had to watch with subtitles. So I went back and just listening to that shit talking, like it was, it was campy, but I thought Undertaker was absolutely brilliant. Like it, it just this delivery of the lines and AJ was great for his part too. And the music added so much as well, Joe.
2: Oh yeah, like I gotta say, when AJ came out of that casket like, to his music, I was <laughs> yeah. I was pissing myself like immediately. I was like, ah, oh, this is this is all right. Like they they kind of get this and they're kind of in on what this is, mm. and this is the this is the best possible thing for this. And then when Taker comes, you know, steaming along on his bike to his new Metallica theme, straight away Return of the American Badass, I'm sort of like, oh, yeah, get in. Kind of wished it was the Kid Rock song, but. Yes. At- but at the same time, he reminded me of that biker gang in Cobra when he was storming along on it. So straight away, I was getting a Stallone reference for myself in there as well. Just needed it, a couple of axes. It did, mate. But uh, yeah, I was thinking myself at one point. If Undertaker was a smart man, he was a big Stallone fan. I'm sure he's a Rocky fan. I'm sure he's a Rambo fan. But uh, Cobra might not be a film he's revisited too often. But oh, well. I know it's Sam Allardyce's favourite film, apparently. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> um, where was I?
1: Yeah. Lando and Cobra.
2: But yeah, those little bits made it great from the beginning. It got it off to a great start. I and mean, then you had all the funny stuff to break it up, like take a light in that fire. At one point, those minions appearing out of nowhere, which again was like was ultimate brilliant. cheese factor like yeah i wouldn't be happy if my dad walked it be watching it but at the same time if you're kind of in on what wrestling is and who the characters are yeah. and why they're in the situation you're gonna get something out of that match and i'd kind of recommend having a watch of it personally we're all in on um, the joke
0: aren't we that's the difference like i think yeah. with that like it's like because jeremy borash seems to have like a heavy hand in producing that and like you can tell, because that was the I the very first Broken Matt Hardy match, the whole, uh, the Hardy, what yeah. was it called, the, the one on the Hardy compound, the original one? Um, some the Final Ultimate Deletion? Yeah, Final Deletion, I think it was. I That's remember, it. first time I watched that, I thought, this is absolutely shite, and I was showing people going, oh, you've got to see this. And then I realized I was showing so many people and trying to get so many of my wrestler fans friends to watch it. I was like, "You know what? I think this is actually good. I think I enjoy this. I think there's like a there's a charm to it, you know there's a knowing." Charm about what it is that makes it self awareness, yeah, that's it, yeah. And, and again, Jeremy Borash is a wrestling genius, as far as I'm concerned. I'll, I, he's one of the few people who, like, you know, I don't always love it when people act like it's a badge of honor that you got your WWE job, but I tell you what, JP, he earned that job after those years oh, in TNA. You've oh, gotta, yeah, you've to get into that
1: production that. aspect is really tough, mm. and he is clearly someone who, even like, even Triple H, you can tell is just like, yeah, this guy is good, mm. and the fact he can do so many different things, yeah, and the spots kind of invaluable. But with with this, I will say it kind of, and it's, this is where we're going to get into it about they've really embraced the we're making movies mm. thing part of the weekend, and this is not something that's going to end. They're going to be doing this a lot because you can see them getting massively into it. But at least this was self aware. At least there was some form of wrestling going on like in a physical sense and it kind of it was it was an action scene and as a result of that it didn't feel entirely detached away from wrestling and so like at the time when watching it it was an incredibly easy watch and how long is it because i watched it back it's a good half 35 minutes or so isn't it well the undertaker was it that long I think so with all the kind of bells and whistles. Oh, stuff. I didn't realize it was that
2: long. It kind of whizzed by, to be honest with you.
1: It was incredibly easy. What I, when Taker appears behind AJ, when he's kind of reborn, that stuff is, I mean, that's brilliant. That, that was absolutely brilliant. And it got, like I say, it had that kind of element of self-awareness to it. Just compared to the Wyatt, um, uh, sorry, the Wyatt Cena match, that's not a match. Whatever that was, like in terms of that's a build up to a match possibly, you could have it in there. But it's it's not a match in any kind of orthodox form.
2: It felt to me like it was something they'd come up with late, and it was quite an interesting idea that was just executed quite badly and yeah. probably rushed quite quickly. And I thought there were certain things that were quite underdeveloped in there, and also like i didn't really get what the kind of through line with it was like what were they trying to say because to me that didn't make a lot of sense and i think they felt that it was a lot deeper than it actually was on any sort of level so i'm going to compare it have you guys seen la la land i know jp hasn't actually
0: no but i know you've seen it No, it's not for me. It's not really my kind of thing, really. I've seen you've got a poster on your wall in your house, though. I know that.
2: Yeah, so La La Land is one of my absolute favourite films ever. And one of my favourite bits of the film is the uh, montage right at the end of the film, which essentially looks back on a life or a sort of relationship between the two central characters... And sort of looks at what could have been. So it's almost like a fantasy, but it feels like a reality. And you think that something might happen to make it a reality. But there is so much depth in the sequence. There's real thought as the characters, the relationship, um, the situations the characters have been in together, their shared life together. And it sort of sets you up for this really emotional but quite fulfilling ending because you understand the motivation that both characters had and what they gave one another in order for them to live one another's lives. And I was watching this thinking... What relevance are Cena and Bray Wyatt to each other in this manner that we're meant to sort of feel that there's a lot of depth to this rivalry? Because I barely remember the match in New Orleans. All I remember is thinking the wrong guy went over because it felt like Bray Wyatt died for a couple of years after he lost what he probably shouldn't have. And they're going through this history, and I'm like, what? what is Saturday night's main event doing here? What is that of relevance to the John Cena character? And then like, I got my girlfriend to watch it with me, and I think one of the reasons I might not have enjoyed it is because we just watched um, Hustlers on Amazon Prime. Have you seen it, JP?
1: No, I haven't, no.
2: Oh, mate, it's fucking awesome.
1: I've heard like, it's awesome, and I've seen it on, on Amazon Prime. I, I recently had a look and see what was on there, and I was like, oh, I'll add that to the list.
2: Possibly the most underrated film of last year, if you ask me. Like I absolutely loved it. It's, it's like a female Goodfellas, honestly. Okay. Um,
1: different I concerns. With that. You mentioned the magic Goodfellas word.
2: Oh yeah, but in a good way, not in like a, a sort of bad uh, you know how often like you see a British film compared to good fellowship. Like, That's yes. bound to be shit. Yes. This is in a very good way. It gets the style, the over the top nature, the sort of gangsterism. But the the sort of concerns are quite different, but ultimately the same as they might be in a Goodfellas. But it draws relationships incredibly well. The set design is amazing. Some of the camera work and cinematography I was kind of blown away by. It also just belts along at a fair pace as well. Like, it's, it's blink and you miss it sort of stuff at times. But it is a great film that I highly recommend. So me and my girlfriend have finished watching that. And then she reminded me that I had to watch this John Cena-Bray Wyatt match. I was like, oh, "Fuck!" <laughs> so she sat and watched it with me so that I could bear it. And I found myself having to explain stuff to her, which made me sound like an idiot because I'm explaining stuff that is kind of unexplainable. So sort of filling her in on what saturday night's main event is filling her in she knew what the nwo was because of my nwo t-shirt but i had to explain what the role of the nwo was and i'm thinking this watching this thinking like i get what you're going for but you've not fought through this stuff anywhere near enough for this to connect and for this to work you've rushed this through and ultimately you've gone for something that you think is really meaningful but actually it's quite empty and it doesn't make a lot of sense. And it kind of left me quite cold and just like, ah, uh, like what was I,
1: that? I can see, I can see where you're coming from on that. Cause I was fascinated. Cause we had some conversations into it and you were like very much, I don't want to see it. And then as you know, one of the, one of the chats we're involved in, we're having this conversation with our friend, Nick talking about the kind of the idea of this being about really like the deconstruction of the ACE, all of that stuff is conceptually fine. But it's like they've covered stuff that you could have a really good three-year-long feud or three-year-long storyline which you end with the retirement and you can call it like deconstruction of the ace. And I think like at various times I've probably pitched to to both of you about the idea if you were ever going to turn Tanahashi heel, Mm. the most authentic way to do it is to kind of break down the selfishness of the ace and break that down in, into its very core. And this leads, conceptually, like it, it hints at the the kind of the epic nature of it. Because, and I read the Wei Way, the Way Ting piece, and I do think it's an excellent read. And in terms of the content and some of the stuff they're going for, it's very big. It's very meta for wrestling. It's not the kind of stuff you would expect. And it's almost like being John Malkovich to a certain degree, just directed by Kevin Dunn rather than Spike Jones <laughs> and, and and that's kind of what the, that's kind of what they've gone for yeah. on this and he's gone in there and like the stuff with the main event the idea of him resembling that kind of muscle brown meathead from the 80s that's the kind of stuff that they that they would have expect calling him Johnny Large meat and he lifts weights so he can't actually do moves and all of this stuff you can see these like little subtle digs at Cena himself the kind of what would have happened if he would have become turned heel, and he would have been even worse than what he already was, but effectively kind of the same? This stuff told some him, of that to insider. Well, the thing is, it's this is like if you deliver it over a really lengthy period of time as an epic kind of program, you can get real weight and meaning in that by doing it because you've got the time then to properly explain this to an audience. And you can have Bray Wyatt going back to these little segments in history. And i am not mm. obviously no interest in Bray Wyatt as a character. But you could... Well, the character's
2: completely empty. Uh, go on, yeah. carry on, JP, because I'll make a point after.
1: Well, I was going to say, and, and it's not really about him, this match. It's all really about Cena. I know there's meant to be the aspect of it's about how Cena has kind of held him down. But that's the kind of throwaway link that you said earlier on, where you're going back to a match where... Really, he should have gone over, but there was already heavy doubts about the Bray Bray Wyatt's ability to work in big matches. That was that was there. That wasn't a, a thing that got kind of he'd suddenly turned shit thereafter after the Cena match. There were there were issues going into that for, for a while afterwards, really ever since he came up from NXT. So that bit for me felt kind of throwaway. And I think it's just the idea of Dave. They've packed all of this stuff in, but the presentation of it is childish. And it's like, you know, this is the kind of stuff that these are the kind of stories that are really told and stuff like Watchmen. Oh, that was what I was going to bring up. That was my next point. And (laughs) let's be honest, as I said to you, Joe, he's more of a big mama's house kind of guy. (laughs) Yeah, he's not sitting there watching. I I doubt he knows what HBO is, let alone has a subscription to it. He must know what HBO box it was yeah that's probably it that's probably all he knows about hbo but in terms of like so the idea of of some sort of thorough nuanced deconstruction is not going to happen so in a in a in a sense what this ends up becoming is it's just a mini movie made in a way with these kind of big grandiose ideas that never really kind of come across and you don't really know where it goes from here you know because it's it's just so sort of weird, but I suspect this is going to be opening up the floodgates for Vince doing these kind of movies. And this yeah. is what he's going to do, because you can sense of like him, like the. And I haven't seen it, but I've watched the start of Gargano versus Champa from NXT. Oh, we need to stop that in a bit. Here we he was. <laughs> and it was again, it was another movie. That's what they've really gone for, it. except that time they've gone for the kind of indie mumblecore type movie, haven't they? <clears throat> yeah, <clears throat> Whereas price. this. They've gone for, I don't know, Rennie Harlan pretending to be David Lynch. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's that's instead what they're kind of going for here. So it's not that conceptually some of this stuff isn't interesting. I could see Cena like being the one who's kind of driving it. Look, like, we could do some really fun stuff together. Oh, you know he no. does it. He's a goofball. Yeah. Exactly. So you could tell him pushing it, but the way it's presented is still a nonsense. Mm. It's still in that Firefly Funhouse stuff, which is so empty and devoid of meaning of everything else that it it kind of is a complete juxtaposition.
2: Yeah, I think the Watchmen point you made, JP, was basically where I was going to go as well. And I'm not going to give any spoilers in case anyone watches Watchmen. It's a recent series, but I really do recommend it. And read the graphic novel. Yeah, I think it's one of the best TV shows I've personally ever seen. But one of the things they do in Watchmen is you have characters looking back on other characters' existence. Like they've got this insight and they get this flashback to their world and their experience in order to find out other things about various characters. And it provides this layer of depth that gives so much more meaning to the characters and then the conclusions within the show. And it felt like this is what this was going for Mm. except it felt like they came up with this in like three days rather than spent probably a year or two years planning it Mm. (laughs) which you would do for an episode of a television show potentially or for a series etc and it just felt like it didn't fit together but the other problem with this is is the inconsistency of WWE's booking in a nutshell. So you think JP mentioned the whole deconstruction of the Ace. Imagine doing this with Tanahashi. You've got a character who has been booked consistently for years and years so, you can trace a through line back of that character from who he was at the start of his career to who he is now. And it all makes sense. You don't have these kind of weird asides and these weird periods where they sort of disappear or they're not doing much. You think of like Bray Wyatt as a character and how inconsistently he's been booked over the years as oh, a character yeah. and what he's done. And like when they split the Wyatt family up briefly, but then suddenly they were about together overnight think about randy orton in the wire family that's a distant memory and daniel bryan and the wire family so Yeah, you know they're, they're, there's so much inconsistency in the, the way they book mm. so for a company who book like day to day and seem to firefight day to day to put out a tv show for them to think they can put something out that has genuine depth in 2020 is a bit of a joke if you ask yeah. me well, and i just i i couldn't see what some of the stuff was getting at like the whole saturday night's main event bit it still left me confused john cena mentioned in husky harris um another behind to explain to my girlfriend <laughs> like what meaning did that ultimately have like it, it just didn't come across well at all if you ask me. that was I, only yeah.
1: because they he'd referenced it in this in kind of skit in the promos kind of over, so ever since he's done the Firefly Firefly Funhouse, there's been a kind of pastiche of him working out and being a body guy.
0: That, that's the thing with this though, like to make it work, you have to you have to go very inside. And the, the people who enjoyed it are the people who you know have paid attention to that stuff. The difference between this match and Undertaker AJ, like the biggest difference for me, is you can show anybody Undertaker AJ. And they're going to get it. I listened to, like, um, Figure 4, Daily. no, for Figure 4 Daily, Brian, Brian and Vinny, and Brian's granny was loving it. And, you know, she knows Undertaker, but she doesn't, you know, she's not exactly following the product closely, and she loved it. And I was like, you know what, if my nan was still knocking around, I reckon I'd show her this, and I reckon she'd love it. And I reckon you wouldn't have to do a huge amount of explaining. Once you kind of get who the Undertaker is, I think you're in, and you get that. With this, I think maybe it explains as well why the people who loved it loved it so much because there are, for whatever reason, there's like a subset of hardcore fans who are still very into Bray Wyatt and think he's like this creative genius who's been What's underutilized and yeah. And, but then they have to make that part of this story to make this work. You know, part of the story is you'd, John Cena didn't put me over. That's basically what Bray Wyatt's saying. Like to make like it's it's almost Russo-ish. Like how inside they have to go and the people who love it, you know, we're invested in it for that reason. And, you know, that's kind of an argument I've seen people make. Oh, well, it was, you know, you don't you don't get callbacks in WWE. You don't get rewarded for watching. Because, like you said, Joe, it kind of falls apart when you kind of just even pick at the seams, never mind tear at the seams. Like, you you can't, you, you constantly punished, if anything, for paying attention to WWE TV. And I think people kind of took that, well, you know, it's like the the member berries thing, you know. I think it did. Uh, Tom Martin mentioned it on the torch, like the the that no, the that, that whole South Park run where like the entire joke was. Oh, do you remember? Like that. That's the joke. You re- if you remember something, that's the joke. And that's a lot of what this was. It was just moments thrown out there for like. Oh yeah, I remember that. Oh, I remember the NWO, even though you know, for me, for for nerds like me, Eric Bischoff didn't do that segment in a red and black NWO t shirt. The, the NWO yeah, Monday I Nitro set. Was it used for that set for that for that moment? Like the little things like that. Where I was like, "Oh, no, no. you kind of get in your history a little bit wrong here, lads, for your for your own company." Um, but yeah, that's the kind of thing when when you try. I can kind of see it as an attempt to appease those fans who, you know, who are loving that, that those member moments, and I get to remember all these historic allegedly moments with Cena and Bryant. But I think you've really hit the nail on the head, Joe. That like the the problem is that those moments don't really tie together, and there's there's a lot of, you know, if you are paying that close attention, then surely you see where it comes at aside from the scenes as well. Uh, but again, you know, I think one thing I would say, and I don't know if we'd all agree. You know, a big argument I made about Undertaker and AJ being the, by far the most entertaining thing on night one. My argument was, well, there was never going to be a, a like an actual straight up match as entertaining as that. Can we make the same argument for Wyatt and Cena? Like, would we have rather seen a match between the two of them? I'm not sure I would. To be fair, no. I'd, I think I'd rather watch a 10 minute video sequence or whatever however long it was and laugh at it and even hate it and walk away than have to sit through a match. So, you know, do they get? A bit of concession there, is it? Uh, maybe it's the better, the worst of you know, a couple of bad worlds. Uh, but again, I don't know. I don't know whether I would actually want to give them that kind of uh, encouragement because, like you said, JP, it'll probably mean that they go off and make twenty more of these, and this is how we see Bray Wyatt every month now on pay per view.
1: But these two segments exist because they don't really have faith in the matches, mm. don't they? Take as one exists, because, and we're all happy with it because we know what. Takers like these days broken down, you know, like Goldberg and the rest of it, and the tag match and the stuff in Saudi Arabia has been been awful. Whereas it felt like kind of nice rewriting, and you could cover over the fact that Man can barely barely walk and get around it, and having punching windows and look kind of expressionless to it as well, and all that stuff is fine. You can get away with it. I think it's kind of more of a damning indictment that there isn't the interest in a match between them themselves. And instead, they've gone down this route because if they just had a match between The Fiend and Cena in an empty arena, that, like, at least when watching this, I was like, what are they doing? At least I was thinking. And then afterwards, when I ended up watching this again, so I've seen this twice, because I read Wei Ting's um, piece on this, and I was like, right, I must have massively missed quite a bit of it. So I going the go same back. thing.
0: Exactly, I'm yeah. Gonna- yeah, I'm gonna go I'm back gonna have
1: and to have read a look this
2: now. But fuck, watching this again. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: yeah, uh, and what I came to was the conclusion of I get conceptually what they've gone for, but ultimately the presentation and everything else it, it doesn't hang its hat on it. And they've done this in an entirely sort of you know in a way that you asked, is it? But be- is it? Would I prefer it to a match? Yeah. Even for all of its myriad of flaws, I'd mm. prefer this to a match between Cena and Wyatt, mm. which is ultimately what this seems to build towards.
2: Yeah. I'm going to say something really arrogant here. So, like, Benno, were you saying about all these people who are claiming Bray Wyatt's this genius and all the <laughs> rest of it? God, how can I say? It? Oh, I'm just going to say like a twat, and I sound like a twat a lot, but whatever. I wonder how much other, like, and, and how much sort of diverse media content, a lot of the people who buy into this stuff actually consume. And that's one of my, that's why I've never wanted to get stuck in the kind of, uh, mindset of just watching wrestling and watching predominantly wrestling. Cause I think you lose sight of what is genuinely creative and what is genuinely sort of going on that, that can then influence wrestling. Um, And for me, if you're watching Bray Wyatt and you think this guy's, like, a genius, a creative genius, you haven't really watched a lot of film, television, or listened to a lot of music that is creatively, uh, like, intriguing and interesting, I would say, like... This is going to sound really arrogant again, and I reckon I'm going to alienate some of the fan base here who listen to this, but I get the impression a lot of people who think that there's any depth to this are big MCU fans, and like the fact that you've got all these bloody references and people popping up between films to lead to the next film that you're going to go and spend three hours watching the same action sequence during again where you get all this kind of mindless stuff going on that's edited at a fair pace sorry i've gone off on a right tangent here <laughs> but Not like us. I, I don't know jp <laughs> <laughs> likes some of this mcu shite i sort of get it mate you've got young kids it's something you can do yeah, with there but i, I like it get it films as well, yeah. to be fair. i get it um but i've got no interest in like a three-hour film setting me up for another three-hour film and i'll be honest mate it's just a formula i hate the formula so much and i hate robert downey jr i hate that over the top charismatic performance that he just churns out well, uh, of the but i yeah. won't be as much of an issue in the- <laughs> well i won't be watching them mate I won't the be- I- like for me marvel i like the x-men films i really like logan actually uh, and i like the uh Raimi Spider Man films and that's kinda kinda my filler Marvel. Um where was I? Um, yeah, so I just sort of think how much exposure a lot of people had to other wrestling as well and other genuinely creative wrestling that is really well written and is sort of like uh, has a through line, let's say because Bray Wyatt and John Cena doesn't have any consistent through line that goes back to 2014 it's a feud that was born again to get John Cena on a WrestleMania card and then they came up with this and I just can't look at this with anything but absolute cynicism because the company's thinking day to day is cynical when it comes to booking wrestling when was the last time they booked a feud that had any genuine depth if you ask me it was probably the feud that i think went from 2008 to 2012 which started with Shawn michael's rick flair And finished with Undertaker Triple H at WrestleMania 28. I think they actually did a really good job at doing this sort of like weird four-year feud that went between those manias. Other than that, I would say it was Jericho Michaels in 2008 and Undertaker Edge in 2008 were the last genuinely good feuds that the main roster saw. Because since then, can you remember a great feud that they didn't fuck up in some way? And I'll go to the CM Punk quote I had last week on Luke Harper's podcast. yeah. It can be good, but it can always be better, yeah. and that is the problem yeah. that this company have time and time again. Whereas, think about it this way: when Will Osprey one day wins the IWGP title, are you going to be thinking that was great, but it could have been better? Because I don't think we will.
0: No, no, that's it. Now, that, no. I love that quote. Cause, like that sums up WWE to me. Like that's that's the, that's yeah. the pain of watching WWE. Even when it's great, it's like ah, but yeah, they could they probably could have done this a little bit better. or They could have got the story. Like, as far as going back stories, I don't know. I think I probably the obvious one you want to say is Daniel Bryan, but obviously that fell in the lap they and they him. pushed against it so much, exactly, mm. and they, they, if anything, they tried to, like, capsize that and capsize his momentum and, and it took a... Mate,
2: they fought an entire fan base yeah. and they fought the best wrestler oh, no, in was the world. That was always the plan, mate. That was always yeah. the plan.
0: That was the plan. Yeah. Yeah, that was the plan to, to ignore all their fans and uh, ignore the best wrestler in the world. Yeah, that was the idea. Um, I mean, I, I don't... I, I get where you're coming from, Joe. I, I, I don't know. I... To be honest, I can't talk because today I was talking about Gargano and Champa on Twitter, and I was kind of comparing, like the, you know, the way people laud that as like this masterclass in in art and storytelling, and like it, pro- it. To me, it comes across like the worst parts of fandom who think the Joker was like this genius in in in, in movie storytelling, like a, a film that I. Overall, liked, but I know it's a dumb movie, and I know it hasn't really got an original bone in its body. Uh, but the you know the people who try and overanalyze that, you know the the dance of the Joker, and all. There's just really Glenn dark Jose. scene. Yeah, there's this really dark scene where, like, you know, he's in the back of a cab, and he played just Joker was in the back of a cab once. Did you, did you get that, lads? Did you get that reference? Oh, like, I, I can kind of kind of see where you come from there. I
2: tell you uh, what, on the subject of the Joker, when I was watching Hustlers last night, I thought to myself, right, the Joker was a score scorsese imitation not done very well hustlers was a scorsese imitation that absolutely understood scorsese and fucking nailed it was, watch it I was, Proper gonna, good.
0: I was gonna say i was having a piss when you mentioned that to jp before but i did i did watch that a couple of months ago female magic Mike is kind of our look at a film that like i completely went in with no expectations aside from you know the, the the side effect of seeing J Lo get a kids off, and my, does she get a kids off in that film? But what a film about like sisterhood right. and friendship and. You know, being on the bungee, being desperate. There's no Kevin Nash doing a bad <sighs> strip dance in the back in the background, but they've got something in common those films. I don't really know what the exact through line is. Maybe it's the male. I can see and the Magic Mike. The I think it's better than Magic Mike. I think it probably is a better film. Yeah, probably is. Yeah, Um I like them both. It's, the, hey, both it's, it's the sold best, me
2: on this. It's the best. Goodfellas imitation that I've seen. Mm. I'll, I'll say that for it. Yeah, there you go. Um, but anyway, WrestleMania. <laughs> Did Glenn Joseph love this match? And he loved the Joker.
0: Oh, apparently, Smallman was going on about how Edge and Orton was, uh, was great storytelling or something like that, and a great, great match. It was early we in the match. of the Performance Center. Oh yeah, at least we got that. Yeah, we got the Tour of Performance Center. It's a bit like that uh, that Tour of Carcan Hall we got last week as well, JP. Um, yeah, yeah, but Those mate, you could also dependant. go
1: to a pure gym and have a look around there because it's effectively the same.
0: <laughs> One near you, mate. Exactly. <laughs> also, while well, I don't wondering...
1: if I can go in, stare on the outside,
0: but yeah, you can look through, through the it. window. There used to be like a, a there's a pure gym by Aintree Racecourse by me, and it's opposite a KFC drive-through. And when you go, cool. when you're when you're on the treadmill, you're literally in the window facing the people collecting the chicken <laughs> going around the drive through. I've always <laughs> thought that was like partly motivation, partly kind of mean. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah, chicken while they down.
0: I know, but but anyway, lads, you know on the on the three mates thing, you know as one of the, the famous three mates said, if you don't like it, don't watch it. So we just shouldn't have watched WrestleMania. So maybe that's the last we learned. Uh, it wasn't for us that second night, but you know, maybe we just shouldn't have watched it.
2: I don't think I've known a group of people than that NXT UK lot who are more proud to see WWE on their payslip when it comes through each month. Oh, my God, yeah. I bet it comes through and they look all glum, and I bet the progress-style humble brags are sort of, you know going through their mind as well ah just that lot this week (laughs) haven't done themselves any favors they've killed their credibility even further that crew
0: did you see ashton smith that last week oh yeah he initially did a tweet saying something about how you know he's hoping you know next year that'll be him at wrestlemania and, you know, obviously people made fun of him, including one wrestler I'll mention in a second. But he actually went back and redid the tweet. and was like, oh, no, no, no. I wasn't expecting to be on WrestleMania. My dream is to get to go over there with the NXT UK lads. And it was like, if your dream bait is to be a druid, then get fucking better dreams. You know what I mean? <sighs> but, like, no wonder that Mad Kerr jumped on it. He did, like, a quote tweet, didn't he, laughing at him. And then Pete Dunne got on his sanctimonious high horse. About- oh. what he was like, not the way. I think that's what he tweeted at Mad Kerr, JP. Fuck off, Pete Dunne. Uh, Could Pete Dunne be less cool at this point? Like, of all people to have a go on Twitter, the oh, fucking meme, Curtis Chapman. Give me fucking hell. How
1: old was he when he signed with them? Dunne. Yeah. Uh,
0: he's in 22, 20s, 23? Uh, 20, yeah, something
1: like that. Unfortunately, it's just a brainwashing process that happens, isn't it? Mm. And that this is the the, the be-all be all and end-all. But they're not the way stuff. Fuck off.
0: Yeah, it yes, is Like... <laughs>
1: What is the way? Because if the way is the WWE way, then what you're advocating for is no kind of worker rights whatsoever.
0: Mm.
1: You know, like I'd I'd see that and it's like, yeah, I'm not surprised. Mm. And the fact that they all jump on and like it as well. I was like, well, of course you're going to, of
0: course
1: you you, like, and it's, it's so, (laughs) yeah, it's so depressing. It just feels so depressing when you kind of see that stuff in there, but fair play Curtis Chapman. If we're not not giving a shit. Why and get, also, get like
2: Ashton Smith, from what I've been told before, is a really nice bloke uh, by people we know who are close to the podcast who know him. But uh, that original tweet I saw him as like, is he delusional? Like like come on like there's got to be a sense of realism here i understand setting high targets or the rest of it but no clark chiming in in support i found quite funny see that one
0: i did he's his mate like oh, oh, that's on his first bad tweet either by the way with ashton smith when he signed to wb and people were talking about filling the dates like he did a tweet something about well why would why would a, a footballer they get signed to the premier league still do non-league like that that was the that was his analogy for signing to NXT UK as opposed to you know me getting pulled from indie shows. that NXT UK is the Premier League and apparently the British Indies are non league. Yeah, I Smith you probably just stay off Twitter, Anna's mate. Uh,
2: yeah, I think that NXT UK is basically non league under a WWE banner, well, basically.
1: Well... You say that, on, in while well, while well, well before we started recording tonight, I did have on in the background, they had, um, was it the best of NXT UK <laughs> on tonight, which oh. had on on in the background, which was just a collection of mass- matches hosted by Andy Shepard, who under other circumstances, who? I don't know, he worked, I think he's the ring announcer. But he looks like a hostage video, which is actually one of the odd, odd side effects of a lot of the corona, of, of the coronavirus and the lockdown is that some of these in an entirely different context looks like people have been held hostage. Mm. And he actually mentions I don't know if he mentioned by the name the coronavirus, but he mentions staying home and staying safe, so no doubt you'll get in all manner of fucking trouble for having said that because it doesn't exist.. Um, and it's not something to reference. It's just the unique situation. I think it was referred to on night two of WrestleMania.
0: The, the current um, circumstances, isn't it? Is that the WWE? Yeah, the
1: exactly. current
0: situation, maybe. Oh, what
1: COVID nineteen? God, like you know, just just it's ridiculous. Anyway, um, uh, I've forgotten what the point I was gonna. Right, I, think, I think back, where you
0: were think? going, JP, is where I'm going. I'll fucking sick to the back teeth, are we, of MTV and wrestling at this point? Like, like I'm done. Shouldn't be happening. <laughs> Wrestlemania weekend, I'm done. Like, I wasn't into, like, I enjoyed Braun Goldberg for the two minutes it was. Was not a, a, even... Oh, I in... thought
2: that was absolutely awful. I the... thought it was, like, it was just a couple of moves. Well, like we, we were
0: saying this Brock live on the Drew stream.
2: It was, like, the better version of it. Like, to me, it summed up why, like, Brock Lesnar and Drew McIntyre are better wrestlers than goldberg and braun Strowman because goldberg and braun Strowman i thought showed no intensity during that match whereas lesnar and mcintyre showed a little bit of intensity and they managed to sell quite nicely but in the right way and i was like actually for whatever for how long that went for an empty arena match which was essentially the brock lesnar lesnar formula match they kind of did an all right job whereas i just thought goldberg braun Strowman's. was here's a move, get up, next move, here's a move. There was no selling, there was no real transition. I thought it was utter shit. I think I went like half a star on oh, it. Oh,
0: well, that, that's interesting because I think we're the opposite. I think maybe because I watched uh, Strowman and Goldberg first and they were very similarly so structured I. matches. Yeah, well, yeah. I was, But I was into Goldberg-Braun more, again, maybe because it was first. And I enjoyed the, uh, you know, Braun being Goldberg in the Goldberg match. I thought it was fine for throwaway big move we were matches. having a laugh on the watch along yeah that like, helps
1: we, as well it, it was it was fun for kind of that mm-hmm. i think at one point i was like that just like laughing away and then i think i came around to. i think it was one and a half stars in the end saying <laughs> actually that was a bad match i'm laughing at this because it's shit That's do you know point. what the average is point. on grapple for that match sure
2: no. 0.96. <laughs> That's even... Uh, I've
1: on the high man on that. Benno,
2: you'd,
0: you'd sunk a few by that point. <laughs> I don't know what yeah. I rated it. I'm going to have to have a look. But I, I enjoyed it for a two-minute basic squash. But I think the thing with Drew Brock is I think, I, I think going into that one, because they did go out there and they didn't do anything you can say maybe they did it better but they just did the same match again for me and I just wasn't it I didn't want to see it a second night in a run I wanted, I thought Drew and Brock as opposed to a Goldberg match where let's all be honest Goldberg's not doing much more than those kind of two minute big moves matches I felt like Drew and Brock could have had a match. They they went four minutes. I, know, and I don't disagree with that. Yeah, yeah. I, I get why they
2: decided to just go... I, like Lesnar is, isn't going to give you a match off in any way, is he? So I got why it was like, there's no crowd here. I'll just do yeah. the basics. Like With Goldberg, I think Goldberg is a, is another wrestler that needs a crowd because his spots... You think of the Goldberg shot out of the way to the ring. You think of his entrance and how he walks yeah. to the ring. His is about a spectacle. It's about an aura. It's about creating an atmosphere and then you know you're going to get this in really intense couple of minutes or however long it goes. Whereas that was all stripped back with no fans. Mm. So I think him and Edge with the two wrestlers on that carpet needed a crowd more than anyone there. And I think I think Cena was smart enough to know that as well, which is why they went down this route. Yeah, mm. even though we didn't
0: like it, it, was probably the right route. Uh, mm. yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, I prefer that I'm, over the two, but I've got, I'm pretty close on both of them. Um, but I think overall, like my, three
1: my... stars on that main event. De- on Simply because Drew Brock. You're the high um,
2: man on Goldberg Braun Strowman no, three I'm, I'm, I'll take
0: it.
1: On Drew on Drew Brock, I think I went three stars. Simply I, part of the thing was and I two and a half. I've I've seen interviews with with McIntyre afterwards. He was on with Ariel Halwani. And I was having a listen to that. And he's incredibly engaging. He's kind of what they really want in a champion, in mm. terms of someone who can, you know, speak to the mainstream press relatively speaking in as a normal human being and be kind of presentable in the same way that cena was was able to do that You're only, he's got enough natural kind of wit to be able to kind of be able to talk in a improvisational oh, comes way across
0: great he was great on that did you see the documentary they did on B? Uh, on WWE no. Network, it was like um, it wasn't twenty four, but it was like the other series they do, like following them around, leading up to the match, and they actually mentioned the coronavirus by name and talk about him almost getting stranded cool. in Scotland on a plane. Like it's the most un- WWE forty minute documentary you'll see. That should have been on TV rather than Raw. Like it made me invested in Drew McIntyre as a person, oh yeah, as opposed to the character he is on TV. I still no, I still don't think he's a well beast, and I still think he's you know. For a while he was underrated, now I think he's wildly overrated, but it got me invested and similar to that, it stocked it.
1: I think it's really dependent on what happens when they have, because what they should be doing is having a rematch between the two, the first big show that they do are once the lockdown is over. That's the only way you can do it in order to try and cement it, and then you've got the story of a pissed off Brock Lesnar wanting to get his title back, which kind of adds a bit more to it. And I think that would be that's the dynamic that will really test out how good Drew McIntyre is and how over he is, and how he can work that kind of big main event and being able to respond to the crowds and to be able to react to the atmosphere and know what to do.
0: Mm. Yeah. Well, yeah. Don't sound convinced, but there. You go. <laughs> no, I'm not convinced because you know it's again it's for me as we said on the night like Drew g- getting his big moments here in front of the empty arena. And you know yeah. he's talking into a camera because there's no people there. Like you wait a couple of months, don't you? Like you, if you've got faith in him, if this was any other company, I suppose it's WWE, so they probably would have lost interest a, a couple of months down the line. I don't know. You you have him look good, and that's why I would have maybe laid the match out differently, and yeah, I would have had him just look good in defeat to Brock, uh, and then you can. But you back mentioned and the problem there
1: that they would change their mind. Mm. So in a
0: sense, if he's ever going
1: to have it, it's like it's either now or never. Mm to yeah. be with them. Otherwise, he'll be at the point where if you didn't do it now, he's kind of never going to be at that point of going over on it. Mm. So I get it, even though I wouldn't have done it. No. But then I wouldn't have had the entire event, So I suppose. It's kind of redundant what I would think <laughs> on this front. And and like I say, I'm kind of more willing, I think, to give McIntyre a chance at, at seeing what he's like in, in the main event scene. Mm. Than than a lot of others, like including Rollins or whoever, but
0: yeah. But yeah, I mean, what, what you, you said that there, like you know, over like an empty arena weekend. What do you think? Like the the buy rate, this does. Do you think like do you think this does better than fuck all? Then then yeah, I was convinced it was doing fuck all. And as I mentioned last week, you know, Brandon Howard maybe listening to WrestleNomics Radio kind of taught me around a little bit with his idea of well, you know, it is it's an empty. There's, there's nothing else going on. There's nothing else for people to watch. You know, maybe maybe it'll do more interest from that point of view. I don't know. After after people night have got one, of, better, better uh, things to be spending their money on, though. Surely,
1: in terms of the pay per view,
0: you'd think so. After night one, I was done. Like if I wasn't doing a podcast about it, I would have struggled to watch night two. Uh, I don't know. I do really wonder. Like it, it, comp- it do, I don't think it was better than last year, but does it do? You know, are we saying there's more than you know a million and a half network subscribers right now? I, it doesn't feel like it, but it really could. It is anyone's game because of the fact that nothing else is happening.
1: The only appeal I'm getting from the um, uh, from the WWE Network is going back and watching all the retro stuff mm. at this stage. That's where the real value is of the WWE Network at this point in time. Mm. But as I said at the start of the show, like new content doesn't need to exist. This show shouldn't have existed. AEW shouldn't have existed. The only one that should be going on is MLW because they've got a whole show taped in uh, in Mexico, which mm-hmm. I'm sure they're going to end up spreading out over about six weeks or whatever.
2: Yeah, yeah I think I'm done with MT Arena Wrestling for a while. Um, I found watching that second Night of Mania hard and i had to wait a few days to watch any wrestling again even though you know i'm not gonna watch watching wrestling empty arena um and it took me until like i say yesterday to watch the drew brock match and the cedar wyatt match i just feel burnt on this empty arena stuff at this point the first week of AEW was great it was fresh it was interesting they managed to pull some out of the bag it now feels sort of morally and ethically wrong yeah I know yeah, that AEW right. taped all this stuff last week, but it still feels just a bit wrong. And the fact that they're advertising like Money in the Bank is going ahead in May. Oh. Like, they're going to do an evening of ladder matches in an empty arena. Like, I just think I can't watch any more of this now until crowds are back. Like, I think basically I'll start watching current wrestling again when New Japan starts up. Because I think It looks like Japan will probably start up before the U.S. again. So, yeah, it's more than likely that once New Japan starts up again, I'll be tuning in. But even AEW, I've got to take a break from now. And as much as I've been invested in stuff in AEW... I don't need to see what they're doing in front of an empty arena. And hopefully when they jump back on board, that'll be where they continue with the main feuds anyway. Because that Omega-Nakazawa match sounded like my idea of hell. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's, <laughs> it's bad. You will not enjoy it one bit. Uh, you last, watched? Yeah, I watched the, the last night show today. Like I enjoyed I enjoyed Lance Hoyt squash again. Um, yeah, I keep calling him Lance, Hoyt. Lance Archer. Love like, those Moxley Hager packages. Yeah, they're doing a good job of that. To be fair, it. it's fucking. God, sick, you two Hager. are
2: braver than me, aren't you? Have you managed yeah. to watch
1: it? It was something to do, mate. Yeah, that's <laughs> the, the thing, though, isn't Doors to a global <laughs> pandemic. It was just. It. Was, I was doing other stuff. Yeah. while it was on. Certainly during the Um Nakazawa <sighs> best friends match, which I just had no real interest in whatsoever, but.
0: Did
1: like, you enjoy like, it? Though? No. Well, did I enjoy it? I enjoyed bits of it. I'll, I'll always enjoy it like a Lance Ar- Lance Archer squash. Yeah, I was into that. There, there is a kind of, like, in essence, it was enjoyable for that. And even though they shouldn't have been there, and they certainly weren't six foot apart, they had the whole wrestlers of the side thing again, because obviously it's part of the same series of tapings that they've done, which I don't think they're allowed to do anymore, because... They did all that in Georgia and Georgia is now on a lockdown, I think, Um, because their their governor didn't realise that people who don't show symptoms could also carry the virus, even though that's clearly available. Yeah, Republican governor used uh, voter restriction and stuff in order to win, yeah cheating scumbag as i've said before voting as consequences (laughs) these are the people who take charge when this shit hits the fan
2: it sounds like the republican governors have done the
1: worst job in this though doesn't it oh well the republican party might as well just be renamed the bastard party (laughs) because that's what they are yeah i mean like they behave like comic book villains it's almost like what's the wrong side of the argument we can take and we're going to go with that Mm. what's the most self-serving art so they had an election in wisconsin and they wouldn't yeah, I saw postpone this it. yep yep they wouldn't postpone it so people were queuing up so it was literally if you want your right to vote you need to risk your life <laughs> and they had five polling stations so you can imagine the queues it's fucking crazy you know as
2: a bit of as a bit of spike in cases in Wisconsin as well
1: uh, there will be there the wasn't already not
0: reported on there will yeah be but on.
1: anywhere there's a republican governor tends to be completely underprepared for this watch mm. florida yeah
0: yeah it's an awesome. yeah. well like but, it, yeah, yeah. Which,
1: you know, obviously Mania coming from there. Oh, are they going to be allowed to film there now? Or are they doing the same deal as Dane or they Are going to find an undisclosed location? Oh, Vince will or get Dana a to borrow his... lock,
0: yeah. Vince will get Dana to borrow his islands. Maybe that's what's coming next. Uh, and with you, is, Joe, like Is it an Indian casino, though? Oh, is that what it is? Is that the idea? I thought that's what
1: Dave Meltzer was
0: I saying. Think was I Indian thought it was like a little
2: island that's sort of just off a of part of California
1: or something, isn't yeah, it?
0: Yeah, I think that's the idea. They're being very secretive. he hasn't well, got the White the Castle idea.
1: of Fear, why bother? <laughs>
0: that's what you need. That, that's that's a you,
1: fucking island.
0: That's what you need to get me interested at this point. All well, the mad in Japanese stuff where they'd have them fighting on an island. <laughs> yeah, like Battle royal style. That's, that's what... Yeah. You, yeah, like it'd take that to be honest at this point because like i would say like i had a great time at least night one and most of night two watching wrestlemania with you lads and having a chat about it yeah. and to be honest I, I like i said at the time because of a stream of problems i watched a lot of it on mute and that really helped with empty arena wrestling because you could kind of forget the hollowness of the crowd the, the only time where like maybe the empty arena helped was, was i don't know i'm guessing you didn't watch charlotte flair and rhea ripley joe i'm not saying you got your way to yeah, watch I it yeah i watched it with you Oh yeah, you were still on the stream, weren't you? It was Sorry, the opener. Op- it was the yeah. opener. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a decent match, and it was. I think that I feel like in that match, the empty arena helped because you could hear the selling, and it was kind of. But even then, you know, I think I went like three and a half on grapple, and that's about as, as high as I'm yeah. gonna go. Yeah, yeah. I went it's three good, and a half. But... That's it. There's an upper limit, isn't there? Like you know, AJ take it probably eclipsed everything on the shows because it was different and because it was you know I gave that three point seven five. You went three and a half, Joe. I think JP went four, didn't you? I think you were the yeah, the time over for that it. one. But nope. you're not going, you're not going four on any of these empty arena matches. It's not happening because like Kel- Kevin Owens can kill himself by diving off the raw stage. You know, Rhea Ripley can put in a masterclass in in selling. You can do anything, really. You can, you can have a ladder match, as we saw, with apparent crash pads, and they're doing big bumps in front of nobody apart from obviously the TV viewing audience at home. And it's just, it's just washing over me. It's just, just, it's, it's not really wrestling at this point. And I just don't want to see it. I just, I. I part of me is like, oh, I get why AEW put so much in the can. They want to keep the TV people happy. They want to entertain us. You know, as WWE would say, they want to put smiles on our faces or however you want to justify them doing it. But at this point, it's like, it's just not worth it. And it's just not... It's clearly not holding people's interest either because the TV ratings are are dying as well. They're dying a death for AEW and NXT. You know, the raw numbers have been terrible with all the video crap that they're doing. I'm just pleading with wrestling at this point, just... Just stop, lads! Like we've had WrestleMania can't. now, AEW's in yes. the can. Let's all move on. Let's all let's just show some reruns. You've got fucking three hundred years worth of content in so they can't
1: use that. AEW is arguably the best tag match of all time that they could put on TV if they're looking to do that. That they could spend the guts of an hour showing the story and the build up and everything else to it, and they could do that. They could do best of AEW shows. They could do some of these packages um and work around it that way if they did it like that that would possibly be an easier watch because at least that acknowledges look this program isn't going anywhere Mm. but here's some retro here's some stuff in the meantime retro to kind of keep you entertained the problem is if you've got a program that's going on that's being recorded while this where all the characters are kind of they're acknowledging what's going on in the outside world but they're also more concerned about these feuds which in the scheme of a global pandemic are pretty insignificant, no? And that's the problem. That's where I'm entirely taken out. Like, whether or not... Kenny Omega should be on the phone to his nan rather than worrying about whether the best friends are angry with him because they might be... (laughs) Michael Nakazawa suggests they're going to use his name. That should really be dominant of his thoughts.
0: <laughs> the thing is, though, JP, if, if we went down that route, you wouldn't get like the exciting melodrama of the MT Arena NXT this week as well. You know, you would have lost Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa from your life if they, oh. uh, they listened to us. <laughs> i have got to mention I, that. I, did you watch the whole thing? Because I watched. I actually did watch it before we came on. Um, I felt I felt like if I was going to bury it. I felt like I should have like the, all of the information. And to be honest, I regret that because I could have just watched the GIFs and read the write ups on it and. and had the exact same opinion on it joe never fucking watched this thing oh i wasn't
2: planning on it
0: It, i know you're you're higher on gargano than me i think that's fair to say this might kill your fandom don't do it
2: right what i'll say for it is i liked the tag team i thought that organically they told a really good story with them the breakup worked i thought the initial feud was actually pretty good But what they did is they went too far in some of the matches and they were having really good matches and they did some stupid stunt show at the end of it, which was like a bit over the top. Then they suddenly and I think it was around the time Shawn Michaels went to NXT, started believing their own hype. Yeah, I don't even know if it was them. I think it was the agents and I think it was the company patting themselves on the back for developing this really great, epic, memorable feud. And then they ruined it by continually going back to it, continually trying to add these false layers to it, and it no longer felt organic. And this looked like one of the most unorganic matches I can imagine. I listened to some reviews of it today and <laughs> just thought this sounds fucking awful. Uh,
0: like and there's people out there who apparently liked it. Like proof positive you can find any opinion out there. And there's a lot of them, but like I I mean, I was done on this style, you know. Years ago, at this point, I feel like I'm ahead of the, ahead of the cave on that one. But like this was, yeah, this was like the accumulation of all that stuff. You know, them doing the whole John now ho- trying to hold Tomasa Champa's hand, and they're both doing the you know staring at their own hands, like not wanting to inflict this violence and being torn about whether they love or they hate each other. And there was an extended sequence with you know we'll just call her the wife at this point because that's all she is, uh, k- kicking them both in the bollocks and them spending five minutes verbalising about. How that hurt them both, like yeah. I mean, I don't know the proof positive that Shawn Michaels is agent and this stuff, but I just enjoy blaming him because if he is agent and this stuff, like, yeah. it's so fucking. It, it is that great idea of I'm sorry, I love you, Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair taken to like it's it's extreme, not even it's logical extreme, just multiplied by ten. Like Joe said, they're believing your own bullshit feeling that it's necessary to spend 50 minutes on a, a match on NXT TV so they can climb up lorries and brawl on top of it because, ooh, doesn't that look great in cinematic camera? And, you know, do the back-and-forth dialogue and have the referee. He can't even believe, uh, you know, that they're inflicting this level of violence in each other and this Just whole melodramatic school drama fucking shite. Like, it was so, so bad. And it's my own fault for watching it, because I knew it was going to be bad going in. Uh, I saw enough of the people I respect opinions about it to know better than to watch it. So maybe it's on me, but fucking LJP, I'm not surprised you didn't finish it, because Christ. I
1: got up to the bit where Triple H leaves.
0: Oh, yeah, he's there. Of course he is. Of course he's there. And
1: they throw away the chair and start punching each other, and I went, I'm out. And I put on an old Nitro instead, which was a lot more fun yeah. than this. Like, I, I started watching it and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not de- I'm not dealing with this yes. at all. Did the Triple H, set, like, in the ring, like, again, trying to create some sort of fight club vibe to the whole thing. Yeah, it doesn't work for me at all. But when you mentioned about Shawn Michaels, right, what I'm reminded by is... Like, when everyone would blame Steph when she was head of the creative team, and it'd be like, Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's not her. And it's like, what? She turned up and everything started going to shit. Well, that's a massive coincidence, I suppose. And in a sense, it's the same thing here. These kind of formula of matches, which were his specialty towards the end of his career, they've, bec- they've started doing it on the reg here, so it doesn't have any... It's kind of devoid of any meaning. Yeah, this feud... I was honestly thinking, it's like, what, what are they fighting over?
0: It's on fumes, isn't it? It was on fumes a year ago. Like, how is it how is it still going? Like, it says everything about, like, what you, What would you like current NFLs? It feels like I wasn't
1: even a father at that point. <laughs> yeah. feud
0: off. It, it feels like they were going to end it a year ago. Yeah.
2: And it felt like, like you say, it was on fumes, but they could have done the Gargano title change, which then done at that point. And that was due to be a big moment. I and mean, then obviously, Champa got the injury. So they did the Cole match, and then they did the... the. He made up with uh, Champer at the end. It was all a nice moment. It was like, okay, that's the feud over with. And then they put them back together as a tag team. And I get that as a one-off, but then they did it for a few matches to lead to this fallout again, because I think they basically wanted to do the match at Mania this year, but they would have done it Mania last year, or on the NXT before Mania. So I'm sort of like, all right, I get it, but... I don't think they're kind of like reading the room. No. Because I think people are kind of past it now mm. and wanted to move on. And yeah, I've got no interest in this whatsoever. Uh, yeah, no, no interest.
0: There's just no humility to it, is the thing. Like, you know, no. we, we, people might have expected us to shit on Taker AJ, but I enjoyed that because it knew what it was. Um, you know, it didn't take itself seriously. This is taking itself seriously to the point where they yeah they think a a fifty minute match based around you know staring into into each other's eyes longingly is a a good idea. It just it it tells me what. Like I, I'm just I, I. don't think I've ever been less interested in NXT, and it's been this has been an ongoing story for me over these last two years. Like I, mm. there was a point where I thought NXT was like the best thing in wrestling, and obviously AEW took over as the hot new thing. So it kind of lost a bit of shine that way, and a lot of guys like Gargano went to the main roster and failed miserably because of you know Vince and the way they were used. So that kind of took the shine off as it being like the supposed future of wrestling. And at this point, like I don't think NXT could be any less for me. I'm just not interested in it. And I think a lot of it it it's these heavy handed, very serious, melodramatic main events that's the main culprit, but there's a lot of other problems as well. It's not fun. I started
1: I was watching it tonight, everything up to that main event. Again, just ha- kind of had it on. And I didn't find myself like enjoying anything. I didn't find like, a, like there was no riddle there. So immediately the kind of and I thought one of the great things about Riddle was Riddle was lighthearted and taking the piss. Yeah, I think if you think of it like Star Wars as NXT, it's kind of like he's your Solo figure. He's there. He's kind of taking the piss and you think, yeah, I like this guy. He's all right. He's not into this kind of force shit. Which is what everyone else in that company seems to be obsessed with—that kind of epic and being stoic and fighting for everything—as I hear every fifteen fucking seconds. It's like no shit. If you weren't, I'd like someone to appear and go. Do you know what? I've really I've put in forty-five percent best, and look where I am. Brilliant. Go me. I would prefer that kind of character at this point, but they don't have. Like apart from that, it's so. Um, what's the phrase I'm looking for? It tries to feel so worthy. It's just like kind of like an Oscar yeah, it's bait film. Per- like an Oscar bait. Perfect, yeah. film is, yeah. Oscar, Oscar big bait. actors yep. based on this. And you go, well, oh, here are these great wrestlers we've taken from. Look at their independent work when they've done all this stuff. And we'll put them here on this big stage and a big budget. And it just doesn't work. Yeah. feels like you know and will
2: smith was desperately trying to win an oscar for a few years we so started doing serious oh, roles yes and like pursuit of happiness was pretty good he did that 16 pounds film which was oh, so shit yeah, yeah it reminds me of that sort of phase like jp that was a great worthy is the exact term i would use can i just give you an update on the ufc so i was looking up the venue and apparently it was going to be in lemore california right. which right isn't an island um and it is a pla It's just is near Fresno and San Jose, it's a Meltsa Land. Um, and looking at it, it's at some hotel, resort, and casino. That when I go on the website, it says it's closed due to COVID nineteen. So that's odd. Uh, so maybe they're open especially for Dana. Perhaps he's fucking one of the strippers there or something. Um, but then when I googled it, it I got an article from the Daily Express that was printed. Or published six minutes ago at two minutes past twelve, or two minutes past midnight that says UFC 249 cancelled, Dana White forced to scrap controversial event and a coronavirus crisis. But is the Daily Express... No, i have just read
0: it. John, John Pollock's done a tweet. He said, quote, Dana White, today we got a call from the highest level. You can go at Disney and the highest level at ESPN. And the powers that be there asked me to stand down and not do this event on Saturday. Brilliant. <laughs> what a payoff.
1: <laughs> the cowards at Disney, that'll, that'll, that'll earn him some brownie points.
0: Oh, I love that so much. Oh, that, that That's cheered me up after um, spending that long talking about my It has. <laughs> it's...
1: Because imagine how mentally he's going to be going after this. Oh, mate, strippers
2: will be all over him. Honestly, <laughs> the notes will be flying all over the place.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, the powerful man like that, don't like being told. No, yeah. especially after he's probably spent millions on getting this set up. Oh, that's brilliant. I'd love that to happen to Vince next. I hope, uh, hope Fox will come for him next uh, if he tries to run any more shows. Oh, amazing. Uh, before we move on, uh, JP, what did you, what did you give Gargoyle and Champa, by the way? I'm, I'm curious. I, I, I matched Andy Ogs and I went one star well, on the grappler.
1: I've, I've only seen, at best, four minutes, so I'm not in a posi- position to judge. Looking at those four minutes, <laughs> my instant reaction being, no, not, not even me. Wow. Not even me. And I'm very much the willing canary I'll, I'll watch that shit. Don't worry. Like you two know that as well. I will happily seek out bullshit. Just more or less to hear Joe just go, why would you bother? Um So <laughs> You do yeah, waste shit, mate. I do. I, I I kinda do it more willingly than I'll ever let on. Um mm. But not not this week. I've been watching a bit of the uh, best of the Can Ams that WH Park again doing the Lord's work. With a, with a bit of classic uh, Can-Ams all over, the po- all over the place, all over all Japan. Even a fan-cam match they had against, um, oh, who was it? Bulldog and Owen, mm. um, which, was, which is kind of fun to watch from a historical perspective. God, they were great. Anyway, digress. <laughs> Why am I talking about them? Can marks. I just
2: add one thing about Gargano Champa? Yes, Something's sure. just occurred to me. Do you know what it kind of is? It's kind of like it thinks of itself as a franchise film within like NXT, but lasts years and years. So last year, Ben, I was a bit like Fast and Furious this year. You know, got delayed for a year, coming next year. So <laughs> we didn't get the WrestleMania last year, but we got it this year instead in an empty arena but again it's like playing off this what they consider is this really deep history and i think it started like that but then just believed in itself way too much it's as deep as peaky blinders mate Uh, uh, yeah uh, that's a show i didn't like um for me it's another mcu of wrestling sorry jp
0: and the people yeah. who love MCU are going to love it as well. Um, I, I, you know. I, I, I you quite deeply. like MCU,
1: but I, I get where you're coming from. They're not for you those films. No,
0: um, I suppose we've uh, we've run a little bit long. Uh, it was a WrestleMania podcast anyway. But you want to talk yeah. a bit about uh, secrets of the ring? Um, yeah, last two episodes. Uh, yeah, a bit of a bit of a kind of not downswing from the Benoit episode, but, but obviously that being such a big news story, I think they've kind of. The two episodes that have followed it, they've gone with maybe lesser stories. Uh, I definitely enjoyed the New Jack episode more than I did the Brawl for All episode, although it did have its its moments. I thought uh, Bart Gunn particularly was brilliant in the uh, in yep. the Brawl for All episode, but my God, that New Jack episode! Like we talked about it a little bit at the weekend, but like they they, I feel like they really got worked by New Jack on that one. I thought a lot. They were, don't get me wrong; it was interesting, and I'll watch New Jack. You know, cut a promo to camera any day of the week. And you know the, the going through, you know the the stuff in Smoky Mountain and his mindset towards doing like the the promos where you know in front of you know fans that weren't uh, obliging to a black tag team turning up in there in their in their part of the world and then him going nuclear on them with OJ Simpson references and what was the OJ like? It was something like uh, congratulations to OJ. That's two 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 less we've got to worry about. Like you <laughs> jackers fucking awesome in his day and i enjoyed all the footage and stuff and i kind of enjoyed revisiting you know as horrible as the mass transit story is like actually seeing footage of that i'd not seen it before mm. but i did feel a little bit like you jack worked them a bit you know trying to make out like he legitimately threw vic grimes off the scaffolding when that was clearly a wrestling throw and uh, there's definitely footage out there of them being friends since uh i don't know the, the parts that i liked but as a documentary i didn't think it, it completely hit for me i don't know if you guys are any higher on it.
1: It fell completely into what the last series of Dark Side of the Ring was, which was enjoyable, but also there's a lot of bullshit in there. Yeah. And, like and this is what it felt... Yeah, it is. It's like, oh, here we fucking go. It's the usual collection of Carnies turning up, talking sort of bullshit stories that they probably now, at this stage, convince themselves are, are real. Mm. Um, And this is what it felt like here. And in some ways, because the Benoit piece is so kind of extensive it's you know it's so thorough in in all of the stuff that they're looking at the tone is obviously entirely different in some ways this isn't a bad thing to have on there like the brawl for all because i think they're going to do that for the rest of this series they're going to have these kind of lesser stories that perhaps are a bit more kind of stereotypical of what you'd expect of these documentaries and then they'll have the snooker one which i think is next and then they'll have owen hart at the end And those will be the big kind of tent poles of the series. Whereas, you know, like as much with the new Jack one, because I have to admit, this is where it taps into my ECW fandom of the first time of seeing him with the entrance come out. And I was like, what the fuck is this? Because he looks like at that point in time, I was in my, you know, I was like 16, 17. So I was like, yeah, this is a bit of me, this. And I was into tape trading at that point. And he was just like a complete force of nature, and the stuff in Smoky Mountain was interesting to look at. It's just that you realise during a lot of this, like it, it was kind of you know selected moments of him taking liberties, and then what was the last story at the end where that guy says he dropped the charges so he could work oh. a, a program with him, and
0: yeah, the guy all this. stabbed.
1: And at that point, I'm going, that's probably bullshit. Like, and that's and that's the problem. Whereas I wasn't doing that during the, the Benoit documentary, as mm. different obviously as that was, I wasn't there going, that sounds like it's likely to be bullshit. Which I even thought during the Bruiser Brody one in the last series meant to be the big one where you realize Abdullah the Butcher's just like working you <laughs> during, <laughs> during the whole thing. Yeah. And it is, yeah, it is that feeling of always kind of constantly being worked
0: by him, and it, it's
1: tiresome.
0: Yeah. Like Brawl for All, the, the Brawl for All episode had a lot of those elements as well. Like I felt like, you know, Jim Ross is still fighting his corner yeah. for Doctor Death. Did Jim Cornette's acting like Doctor Death not winning Brawl for All cost Do the V f- five million? Like I mean, I'm a Doctor Death guy. You know, as far he was as past it by then. But at that what was he, 38, 39 at that point? Like Yeah, he was get, pretty broken down. Did we really expect this shooter who drops people on, on their head in Japan to come into nineteen ninety eight Vincent world? and be, like, this over heel against Steve Austin. Like, ah, I still, I still feel like, yeah, we're getting worked by the lads there. Have you have you seen both episodes, though? Did you see that one?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, I've watched both of them, yeah. My thoughts on the New Jet one basically echo uh, JPs, if anyone. I've not seen a lot of that Smoky Mountain stuff. I'd seen, like, one match and one promo there before, I think, on... Um... It's so that Night of Legends show they did in, like, was it 94, the one that's got Jericho, the thrill-seekers, Jericho and Lance Storm against, um... Oh, shit, I can't think of who they faced. You, you know the match the one where Jericho wrestles with the broken arm. Um
1: not the Heavenly Bodies, is it? I are, think it
2: probably is the Heavenly Bodies because yeah, they were it would beats, be, wouldn't it? it? was them and the Rock and Rolls, wasn't it, there?
0: Yeah.
2: Um, but, yeah, I'd not seen a lot of it and was kind of fascinated by that stuff. The ECW stuff, it was, you know, fun to see again. New Jack's just a fucking wild man isn't he and it just felt like the documentary makers were completely drawn in by him and you know what what a carny to kind of (laughs) draw them in and again to me it spoke volumes as to who was advising this and who other people they should have got on board they should be getting a Meltzer on board they should be getting a Pollock on board for this um, someone who they can run p- this past in sort of an editorial to ask about various decisions various stories I think mean, they made a massive mistake in the Brawl for All episode uh, by giving into the Vince Russo Jim Cornette bars, oh, yeah, that was right. a complete aside. Oh, like yeah. I sort of got the Dros DeLo aside because you see Dros like how he is, and you're, you like if you're you want to know more, don't you? Who doesn't yeah. know Droz is? You're kind of thinking, oh, how did this happen? I sort of get that. I didn't think it was necessarily structured into the, into the documentary very well, and I thought they maybe could have done it earlier when they introduced Dros into the piece. But the fact they gave into the the Cornet Russo stuff. I was Again? just like, "Ah, oh, you have fallen hook line and sinker yep. for this bollocks." That I don't. I, does anyone care about it? Because I'm, I've no, no interest in it whatsoever.
0: No. What episode was it last year they did it in? Because there was another one like this. Was uh, Montreal? Where? Montreal, of course. Montreal, and it, the the it. it... Devolved into Cornet Russo bullshit, and that didn't come off well. Like Cornet just comes across as a crazy old man, and Vince Russo yeah. comes across as delusional as he always does. Yeah, that was that was not the thing to focus on here. Yeah. Like what was the thing to focus on. He came across as like a real human yeah. being who like who was quite empathetic, wasn't he? And you were kind of watching it going, I wish you know, I never really liked Barkham, but I was like, oh, I kind of wish he got his chance. I kind of wish. That MMA training had come off, and he got that uh, that rematch with Butterby that he was after. Um, they were the elements to push more on, you know, give you more background on them than that. Yeah,
2: I was watching that, thinking like, okay, he won. Why on earth would you resent him for winning a shoot tournament? Oh. Like, doesn't this sort of sum up the entire problem with that that company? Like, yep. he wasn't the anointed one, therefore, fuck him. It's like, hold on. I don't think Bart Gunn was great by any means. No, but have you seen his stuff in Japan? Like he was all right in all Japan.
0: Yeah, I remember that.
2: Like he was perfectly fine in a tag team with Johnny, Johnny Ace. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And like I've seen a couple of matches before. Absolutely fine. Mm-hmm. Like they could have maybe given him a manager maybe tried to give him something coming off it like you just think that there was there was worth a go could you give him a pay per view against Austin or even for an intercontinental title against someone could you give him a wild match with Foley at that point possibly like there was something you could have done with a bloke rather than just sort of say oh we got nothing for you and it sort of says to me what their priorities are and how they prioritize certain wrestlers and they resent people for getting over so it just felt like um where we are now existed 22 years ago if anything which uh, you know is kind of wild but dad gun i thought was a good bloke he came across well i liked him um one of the things i was amazed at was that brawl for all lineup like i didn't remember yeah. some of the guys in there. pco was in there i didn't yeah, know that, that blew my yeah. with us
0: one eye.
2: yeah i completely forgotten about that I didn't. I didn't remember Droz being in there. Um, I didn't know Dan Seven pulled out. I, like this is stuff that I'd probably read about before, but just
1: forgot about completely. Like, I remember this at the time it was happening.
2: Yeah, yeah, like Seven, it felt like there was much more of a story there that wasn't told as well.
0: I think he kind of worked out, didn't different. he, that it was making him look bad. I think that's the. the yeah. He kind of realized, yep, these rules are bullshit. I've got stupid gloves on. I think Steve Blackman had the same realization. Didn't he pull out after training or something? I don't. Did he even yeah. make it to any fights?
1: No, he never made it to any fights. Yeah. And, yeah, Severin pulled out just... Yeah, he knew that he was going to be a case he might get hit by a lucky punch. He was never a striker. as an MMA fight. He was taking you down and wrestling you on the mat. Yeah. And he wasn't able to do any of that stuff because they mixed and matched the rules. Mm. Did you um, listen
2: to Meltzer today on it?
0: I did. Mm. I didn't did. he
2: say that he pulled himself... No, didn't he say that WWF asked him to pull out or something?
0: No, I don't think he said that. I think, didn't he say that... that, that... That was it. That he was. That he got injured in like the the build up to it. It was on Severin uh, or no Blackman. No, Dan Seven. Dan Seven. Yeah, because I think Seven was mm. in the case he pulled out himself because he did. He, he kind of saw it going badly. I'm sure he's. I'm think he's on record saying that. I'm sure I've seen an interview with him before. Uh, saying okay. Unless that. well, there was a like a conspiracy because they were desperate to get Doctor Death over for whatever reason. So that, did, that wouldn't surprise me either.
1: Did I miss something in that documentary in the sense you don't see where what Mike Barton's up to today? Electrician. Um,
0: yeah, he
2: said oh, he's, an electrician. he's got a day job, yeah. I read, this... it, I read it on his Wikipedia oh, But afterwards.
1: they don't go into that. So rather than going into that Russo-Cornet bullshit, yeah. they could have done a bit more of that, which would have been the story of, like, in, in, in that dark, you know, this guy wins, and through no fault of himself, I'd... they just turn, turn against him. Yeah. Because they couldn't, they wanted to book shoot fighting.
0: How defensive is Jim Ross on that point as well? Like on the on the doctor, on yeah, that. he's, he's defensive that up, throughout this he? series. Yeah. oh, he's not. He's not been a great talking head. Like I've, it's interesting because you, we got to see that and being so defensive, but like. Yeah, even Meltzer will peddle that line of like, oh, you know, there was no conspiracy. It's like, hmm, wondering the your sources that there was no conspiracy there. Well, maybe it's uh, you, make good old Jr. that could be uh, the reason behind that. Um, yeah, yeah would I would like more on that. And you know what? You know what else would I would like more on? The Godfather. How cool did he come across? Like, oh, <laughs> really? oh yeah, what a bloke! Like proper, like, the riddle of his day. Oh yeah, like <laughs> yeah. That was always the story, wasn't it? Like, like you said on the documentary, five in the morning till one in the afternoon, he'd be working shifts in some strip club, and then he'd be. Wrestler like other parts and like he literally ran strip clubs and was smoking weed before his fights and just he comes across as like I know a lot of those things are the best habits but he comes across so fucking cool like yeah, he, he looks was, happy yeah oh, he looks like he's got a good life doesn't
1: he yeah he looks he looks alright he looks content at this mm. point in time he was good fun
0: yeah he, he was,
1: was like kind of like sort of a nice bit of levity yeah whereas you know what's the central theme of the show is that Vince Russo comes up with this idea. Because he wants he to JBL. See JBL to be knocked out,
0: as we do all. Him and Hardcore yeah. I enjoyed watching him oh, get knocked out again. To be honest,
1: yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't disagree with the idea of the sentiment, but like I can remember it at the time and see and being kind of intrigued by it, not really knowing. Oh, what I thought MMA... it was boring as fuck, mate. I hated yeah,
0: it at like, like the time. Yeah, and then seeing
1: the first one and it was like, oh, this is shit. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. And,
2: with the JBL thing, like, Russo's comment, I laughed at initially. But then that clip of Russo watching him getting knocked out and laughing, but then being like, oh, I feel bad. It was kind of like, <laughs> uh, he's saying that for the cameras. I don't like, that. <laughs> he doesn't feel bad. But I was watching this thinking to myself, another episode I'd love to see in the next series. An entire episode on Bradshaw as a bully. Like a proper hatchet job. That would be good. Like, that's an episode, like, you think you can get on, you get uh, you can get Russo Bat, it'll talk Justin, Roberts. Oh. Justin Roberts, the Blue Meanie,
1: Joey Tracy Stiles.
2: Smothers, I'm well up for seeing a bit of Tracy Smothers, yeah, Joey Styles, um, I'm trying to think of who else, Duke the Dumpster Drosy potentially, <laughs> as well, like, there are loads of guys, you could probably, you could probably take a payday on this, and just do a hatchet job on JBL, and you know what, I'd be well alright with that, if <laughs> yeah. they, if they were up for it.
0: Yeah, me too. Yeah, that's the ideas for season three. Because um, again, I, I thought Zoom off. <laughs> You're that's... desperate for that one. Can you do the, the narrator for that one? I think you'd be best. That's the dark,
1: the darkest of stories. That one. Did you <laughs> see any of his matches? I would have done yeah. a long time ago, not not recently. What was he? Just, how was he? Just his shoot interview. That was lies. <laughs> how was his, How was he in ring? Just a fucking bloke in the 70s, isn't it? Lamping shit out of each other and can barely do any moves. I thought he was He's like a charismatic... Doing pretend tough guy stuff. I thought he was like
2: a charismatic baby face who came to the ring with a boombox or something. Was he?
1: Well, I didn't see that. I <laughs> Mate, might, I might you, easily be getting mixed up with someone else. I was, was going to say, you're getting mixed
0: up with PN News.
1: <laughs> it's an easy mistake to make. <laughs> Maybe JP... have him in Dark Side of the Ring,
2: PN News. <laughs> you need to get on your Zoom off, JP. <laughs> All right,
0: yeah. We need to get that going. Yeah. Uh, anything more on Secrets of the Ring? Um, again, enjoyable couple of it's episodes, fun. but I'm looking forward to the. It's horrible to say it, but the the, the darker stuff that's coming in the series. Yeah. And um, the Herb Abrams one as well. I
1: expect there to be a lot of silliness hmm. around that. There's a whole, what, various stories of him. The Road Warriors one will probably end up being kind of missable, to be honest with you.
0: Mm. Yeah, I think that's. Yeah. I mean, the Hawk stuff's kind of it. To be honest, Landstorm. To, and Cyrus did the podcast about uh, Road Warrior Hawk, which was really in, like a documentary mm. style one with lots of interviews about his life. That was actually really good. So, if they kind of go down that route again, I think I'm interested in it. But yeah, that, that's probably one of the B stories, isn't it? But still, the no, I... series does exist.
2: Do you know Buck Zumhoff was a jobber in WWF in the early 90s? <laughs> that might got, have like, been it. Does J.K. Kotuda like versus Buck Zumhoff, <laughs> Undertaker Zumhoff, Bulldog Zumhoff, Kamala? Versus Zumhoff. Do
0: you need to get this episode sorted
2: out? There's a clip for you here, JP. AWA Wrestling Jesse Ventura rips the sick pervert, rock and roller Buck Zumhoff a new one.
1: Hey, he wasn't wrong, was he?
2: I'll send it over to
1: you. Yep. He certainly wasn't wrong, Jesse. Like unionisation, very much ahead of his time on that.
2: Hey, there's a secret of the ring. I'd love one on Jesse. What a man.
0: Oh, that would yeah. be great. Oh, did you could just do the whole thing on that. Didn't he, like, sue some soldier because he was talking shit about him in a bar was, or something? It um,
2: was Bradley Cooper's uh, character. Uh, like from the... Uh, the...
0: That's right, yeah, American yeah. Sniper. American Sniper, yeah. What? That's
1: it, yeah. A great dark side of the ring that would never exist would be, and it'd be a really kind of current one, what happened in Saudi Arabia. Mm. Just to get people talking kind of unfiltered about what happened in Saudi Arabia and the lockdown and stuff like that. We'd have to wait Just a few to, years for that one. With, with the plate, yeah, we'd have to wait. Yeah, we'd have to wait till Vince is dead, <laughs> wouldn't we? Before anyone's ever really. I reckon
2: Luke Harper
1: would open up on.
2: or Brody Lee would open up on. He that He would. One. Oh, he seemed true. pretty irate at the time. Yeah. Get Gallows and Anderson at the company. They can do the you know the making of them main event in WrestleMania plus Saudi Arabia. They got some great shoot stuff coming up when they're at the company, ain't Power
0: they? How rooty? There's another one. <laughs> that's a whole story. Yeah, they should do yeah. that. Awesome. It well, right. We'll be almost the two and a half hours. So, yeah. yes. I don't know how we out. managed. Seriously. To. Yeah, we did six hours at the weekend, Joe, and then three hours tonight. Well, hey, that's kind of what we that?
1: Blown by. <laughs>
0: it's what we do. Yeah, it's extra content. Time for flies
1: when you're in lockdown, doesn't it? Yeah, that's it. And this As is it like- doesn't.
0: This is like the Bank Holiday special for people to enjoy, you know, across the weekend. You know, take your time with it. Listen, hopefully, hopefully people have uh, listened to it in blocks or something. But anything you guys want to mention before we, uh, we go too long? Anything before we go?
2: I'm looking forward to JP's uh, Buck Zumhof reviews next week. <laughs> I'm just going to send you a Bobby Heenan versus Buck Zumhof from a AW- AAA, uh, AAA? AAA, uh, AAA? Uh, match as well, mate. You up for oh, that okay. one?
1: Yeah yeah go on send him across. I know you're going uh, in you, depth on his story aren't I?
2: As you said you're more than willing to watch shit so you know. Here we go. <laughs> yeah,
0: he's, he's a pretty pretty pick despicable bastard. But <laughs> I'll have a watch of his match. Good lad. Uh, spe- speaking of, well, I suppose there's not a good segue there. It's not really despicable bastards, but speaking of uh, better stuff to watch, uh, me and you, Joe, we got something to plug, haven't we? are gonna be, uh, you're gonna be joining us, uh, like a, a, so I call it a joint production. Uh, with British Wrestling Experience. Me, you, and James. You're gonna sit down and revisit uh, Ring of Honor Unified from Little Old Liverpool's uh, Olympia in two thousand and six. Shit, I-, I think we're gonna need more than three hours for that one.
2: Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one. I haven't seen the show in years at this point, so it's going to be really fun to watch about. You know, I think last time I would have watched anything from it. I probably would have just watched about the main event. So in terms of the full show, I will be skipping Davey Richards' Jimmy Ray because it's (laughs) shit, and it's like 20 minutes, and I've seen it several times, and I know it's bad, but I'll give Davey Richards a good ripping because he's shit. Um, But, yeah, really looking forward to it. Be good to have a chat with Jamesy again, and relive some memories eh Benno
0: that's it people can listen to how me and you met how me and James you met how you and James you met what a historic uh, runner shows is uh, the Ring of Honor UK shows where especially that one. Yeah. Uh, so, Why yeah, Ring
1: of Honor ran Liverpool in the first place?
0: I can I can, I can fill you in on a bit of that. Oh, well, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, look, look for that on the uh, British Wrestling Experience feed. I'll probably uh, try and do a deal with John and Wayne and uh, sneak it onto our feed as well next week too. Uh, so, yeah, that's next week. We're also going to sit down with Martin and do a bit more WCW as well. Do we want to give away what we're doing or give people a chance to watch it maybe? Or do you want to keep it a surprise?
2: Uh, we'll talk about sort of nwo sort of era mm. wcw i suppose yeah way. there
0: you go yeah maybe i'll get some, some
2: good that. nitro sort of content uh from sort of 97 ish i suppose
0: yeah, yeah. So we're going to jump forward in time a little bit from our uh 1994 spring stampede review so yeah that should be fun too uh following up as well so yeah keep an eye out for that might do it's all up a bit in the air at the moment because we don't really know really what's happening with wrestling we're all sick of uh, MCU wrestling you know, there's yeah. Dark Side of the Ring and I'm sure there'll be news and stuff. But, you know, we might sneak in a couple of bonus M- episodes while we're bored too. So, keep an eye out. Weirdly, and I won't go in-depth
1: on this because obviously we've gone over two and a half hours. MLW had a Mance Warner versus MJF Loser Leaves MLW match oh,
0: well, in an empty that? arena. And was it any good?
1: Uh, it was a brawl around an empty arena a site that i'm very 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 familiar with even though this one and i've realized what they've done they've worked out a way of using like talents recording promos on their phones and stuff to send in to kind of flesh out the show they've been doing that a lot which has meant that these set of like pencil uh uh, ecw arena or 2300 arena shows they've kind of made got six weeks of tv out of and then they're off to the Mexico ones, and then that's kind of them done. So, like it was, it was a standard brawl around the place. It was an easy episode to watch. Some of the wrestling isn't necessarily great. Um, they've written out MJF. Oh, I'll watch yeah. it. I'll, I'll probably watch it. I enjoyed MJF's
0: running around uh, there. Yeah, it's, on it's
1: an it's an easy watch, and it's a guilt free watch. Because mm. Joe mentioned it before, and I agree with him on this. I'm watching that AEW, and I'm thinking then
0: why are these people in the None of this should be happening.
2: Mate, it's like watching out of snuff movies yeah. at the moment, watching this empty arena <laughs> stuff.
0: Oh, mate, when <laughs> they is... did that, uh, that fucking 24-7 title thing on Mania where you had like 15 goons all running around together, it was like, you don't need to do this. We don't need, we no. don't need that. We don't need Jimmy Havoc pulling tongues out. We don't need really like half of this stuff to be happening right now. But yeah, there you go, NLW that... guilt-free. Did that yeah, grunt exactly. bollocks
2: with him winning that title get any mainstream pub?
0: No. I, I, I always think that's overrated mainstream pub what, what oh. do they actually do with it do they create more fans I don't think they do like, it's a no.
1: social media pub that ends up in the same ends up in the same echo chamber and kind of disappears because it isn't too different and celebrities getting involved in wrestling is is kind of now it's, part, it's jumped the shark quite a while ago yeah he's not Mike Tyson is he let's all be honest no. um, exactly but, uh,
0: but anyway, we were trying to wrap that, so we should probably wrap. Yeah. If you if you do watch MLW, though, you, you can leave your ratings on the Grapple app. Uh, that's a, a recent addition to Grapple, in case anybody's uh, missed our previous public service announcements about it. Again, if you're watching Retro WCW, like we're planning on doing, you can still rate that. Stardom, Pro Wrestling Noah, PWG... Beyond are on there uh, as a promotion that might go under the radar as a, a promotion you can rate. Yeah, Garrett's doing the Lords right there, and uh, I suppose it's not too yes. busy right now, but that's a lot of promotions for him to keep up with. So yeah, go, make, make go us back work and with ra- well. go back
1: and rate some of the classic stuff because that's oh, yeah. what we've been doing, and it's it's great fun indeed yep so
0: that's what we'll be doing like i say keeping out for that unified special with me joe and jamesy we'll then be doing keeping out for our wcw 1997 special as well and yeah just keep an eye on the feed as well because you never know what might drop in but yeah that's it for us for another episode we'll catch you again soon bye
1: Away. just another power machine or on the freeway Thriding with me, there's my MC boy. Knowing the rules ain't part of his program Finding the right way around this map Might be pretty hard, cause he's fucked on crack Jeep, Grandfair Auto, You gotta make a mark and move where you want to Jeep, that Termination To steal what you can and run from the nation Hey, hey, what do you say? We automated a secret speed I'm get away. It to the edge. Um, trying to think of a good Jill Dando picture. There's a <laughs> fucking... that's a statement, isn't it?
0: Keep it as the... you I'll keep it as the her? title. I won't use it in a picture.
2: Did you fancy Dando? Ah,
1: like... uh, she was very much like the working class man's Princess Diana, really, wasn't she? <laughs> Well, I used to get them mixed up. I used to think they looked very much alike. Uh, They did. And it was, what, within two years of each other?
2: Yeah, 97 and 99. About 18 months, really, because Dando, I think, was
1: early 99, wasn't she? The
0: real people's princess.
1: Mm. The real people's princess. (laughs) Here we go.